fucking let me tell you how much of a freak I am. Let's just let's just get into this. When I wake up in the morning, let's start with that. I have no idea, as none of us really do, what's gonna happen that day. But what I do know for a fact is that various things that day are going to arrest my mind. There's just there's just a lot of absolute nonsense. Special thanks to everybody that will be joining us today on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, as well as YouTube. And please do not forget us at ALW Pod on Instagram. It is I, Earl Lonnie Hooks, the God in me, honors the God in each and every one of you. And today, where does the emphasis go? Is it Moreau or Moreau? Moreau? Mo- <laughs> Did that even. Moreau? 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 Do you know? I is it like tomorrow? I would say like tomorrow. Yes. Morrow. Morrow. Wait a second. Do you not have you ever had this question asked of you before? Never. You're throwing me off. I'm like that's my last name. What? <laughs> how often how often does, does this never come up? Do you ever hear your parents or anyone in your family say the last names like, "Oh, the Morrows, the way that we Never. That never happens. Never. Okay. Tomorrow. Morrow. Yeah. Katie Morrow. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, huge, uh, huge fan. Um, Jess, your very good friend. Yes. 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 So it's been we have now figured out at least at least eight years. Yes. If but not maybe more. not. Yeah. Oh, but maybe nine. If not more, I don't know. Right. I can't pinpoint, especially to when we met last time we mm. saw, that's all kind of a blur. Yeah. I The only thing I remember last is, truthfully, Jess's 21st birthday. That's like one of the last things I remember. What happened for that? What did she do? We went, we all went, and Keon was there. We went to season 52. Okay. That's like the last pivotal memory that I have um. of like being submerged mm. around you but then i know there's other times and we had lunch once y- probably eight years ago so the, let's go with eight the, there, <laughs> was, there was a time because you knew me in a very i mean if you look back they're all pivotal points of life every point of life is pretty pivotal when you look at it and you dissect it there was a point you her and i went to get breakfast this was like at the Homestead Inn or whatever is close to it. It's 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 near. You wouldn't even remember this. The only reason why I do is because I want to say not far. This may have been when I came back from living in Florida, but not not too far from me having my very first mushroom experience, I believe. Okay. And I think, and if if it wasn't that time, it was at least a time when I was just engulfed in a miasma of weed smoke. Either way, I was thinking very, very deeply about things. And I remember that because we were out getting pancakes and shit, and you and her were having a conversation, and I was just looking out the window up at the sky. And I did not... For the entirety of the breakfast, contribute. That's so funny. No, it's bad 
because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into my own little story about that time of hanging out with you and Jess and honestly, several years around that. Oh my God, don't punch the mic. Totally good. Um, I, because of what I was going through, really don't have a lot of memories from that time. Um, like I genuinely have a period where I have it blacked. My God, I'm going to punch <laughs> you this You are thing. boxing this thing. Right <laughs> I got to just shove my hand somewhere. Um, several years, maybe just two years of my life that I genuinely have very sparse memories of. Mm. And people will bring things up like, oh, do you remember when we did this? And I feel bad because I, nothing, nothing, yeah. not even a spark. And they're like significant moments for these other people. Mm-hmm. And I've had to come to terms with that. So like, even you telling me that and you're like, oh, I, I don't, I didn't contribute. I'm like, well, it wouldn't have mattered. Apparently <laughs> like, was gone. You know, my, my whole issue at that time was that I felt like if, if conversations weren't about the cosmos and what I mean, that I just mean like meaning about mm. everything, then I just, I couldn't wrap my mind around talking about anything less than our existence and what the fuck we're doing here. Right. Like it, it just wasn't a thing. And I just remember just staring out and just soon afterwards, we're like, Oh, listen, like I, like, I get it. Like, <laughs> Like, I get it. Like, you're thinking about stuff, but like, you, you gotta, you gotta be able to just talk. You gotta be able to just hang out. Like, we're having fucking pancakes. Like, you gotta be able to just hang out. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around it at the time. Like, it was like my mind had exploded. And I just couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else other than what is the meaning of life? Do you ever come to terms with what it is? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Got, oh, I got that. Dang, you actually figured out what it is for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It was it was really nice today. I, I received a text message from a very very like a distant friend. This, this happens, you know, more often than not these days. It, it's it's funny. More often than not, that would actually be wild. But it happens quite a lot these days where somebody from the past will reach out, or I'll reach out to someone in the past. And one this is one of the reasons why I'm excited about what's happening here and what's going to happen is. I would have never known if I was ever going to see you again. Like, I, like you just never. But that's yeah. really the case. Every time you walk away from someone, like, you have no idea mm-hmm. if you're ever going to see him again. And so we went almost a decade mm-hmm. without seeing each other. But time and time again, I'm coming in contact with people where I guess I wasn't as terrible as I remember myself being. To the point where you feel comfortable enough to come here and do this. Mm-hmm. And I got a, I got a text message from a friend earlier today, and they said that their life was going very well. I haven't spoken to this person in the longest time. I mean, I got the text message. It was just a number. They said, how's life? I was like, well, I don't have an identity attached to this phone number, but my life is more and more magical every day. And then they said, oh, it's so-and-so. And I was like, oh, hey, so-and-so, it's been so long. And then, And then, you know, they said that their life had been going great. And it had been changing for the best, like they're getting better at living their life. And they said, you know, it makes me think of you when that happens in life because you are one of the only people that I truly believe I've ever known to live life better than me. Hmm. I know. I know. I thought it was strong, too. I thought it was a very singular thing to say. Like, that's a very peculiar and, and gripping thing to say yeah. like living life better mm-hmm. um so that's 
that's kind of ill. Like I'll like I'll take that. Like that's kind of that's kind of dope. <laughs> um, but you just like that person, just like many other people I've had on the podcast and they've talked to me off the podcast. It's just very cool to be able to continue to meet up with people that I didn't. I I would have never known what your lasting impression of me was. You know what I mean? Like you never you never know. And if you're any sort of introspective person that really that truly believes that they're trying their best to grow every day, you can look back at yourself five years ago and be like, "Fuck that person!" Yeah. Like, the, well, like I was that person. Yeah. So when I look back at myself, we're talking about eight, nine years ago. I don't look back super fondly on that person for various reasons. There mm-hmm. were some things I like about that dude, but there were a bunch of other things that needed to go. Mm-hmm. And you were around at that point, mm-hmm. so. When you were, you know, willing and available to talk and then let alone come do this, I was pleasantly surprised. Well, it's funny to me because I think, you know, going back to what I said even about, like, blanking out some memories that I have just... <laughs> oh, right. That could just, have been the reason. But, well, n- no, but it's <laughs> It's funny. because I don't remember you, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, especially in a scenario where, like, you were my best friend's significant other. Mm. So the relationship already develops entirely different than if we were to have just met. Mm-hmm. I don't know, at work or at this park. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, so then then add on that I had, you know, various encounters with you around Jess and then separate from Jess that then created, and then stories that Jess has told me, right, that created what my my personal viewpoint of you is. Right. Regardless of how bias or in bias or if I actually liked you as a person, it's yeah. almost irrelevant to then when we come back, what, Eight, let's just continue to say eight years yeah, sure. later. Um, well, I'm not going to hold you to who you were. That would be stupid mm. because I, I swear to God, if somebody held me to who I was at that point in time, mm. they'd probably think I was a distant, uh, antisocial, very closed off, mm. on probably like kind of aggressive person. <laughs> Which is funny because I mean it's sort of it's funny it's a funny juxtaposition with the other qualities that you just threw in there. Like you're distant, antisocial, and aggressive. Like, I, like where does the aggression I think present itself? It's because of like a standoff presence. Like um, I don't, I don't need to talk to you. Right, 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 right. right, right Which right. I mean, truth, truth of the matter is, like, I do kind of carry that with my existence. Yeah. Like my ten, my ten feet rule that I told you. Coming <laughs> oh, into oh we're gonna get into that. <laughs> it's it's funny to me because I, how do I want to word that? <laughs> I like social interaction and I love connecting to people. Okay. But if it doesn't happen, I also don't care. Right. Because there's there's that two way streak. Like if you didn't ever reach out, I wouldn't be like, man, Earl never reached out to me. <laughs> like why would I do that? That's stupid. Well, I also didn't reach out to you, so why am I going to start judging you? Yeah. Eight years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, there, it's part of the thing of like closure with a relationship too. I don't necessarily believe in that. Mm-hmm. So then coming back in eight years later, mm. I don't care about who you were, how you behaved, what my even impression of you was then. Yeah. Could we talk about it? Yeah. It'd probably be pretty interesting, Yeah, but it's not necessarily where I'm going to hold you to now. Therefore mm-hmm. coming back into it is like effortless. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a conversation with, again, one of these many old friends that I was just talking about, Emily, she came on the podcast. We used to work at a tropical smoothie together. Great times. And also a miasma of weed smoke. <laughs> 
But <laughs> that that covered a few years of my life. Actually, I probably have the same issue that you do with like a couple of years of my life that just completely is just a blur. It's a bunch of white shit going on, white noise, mm-hmm. blackness, stars, a lot of psychedelic colors. Anywho, she was asking me just how open I was to speaking to people that I had wronged or that had wronged me in mm-hmm. the past. And I was like, like, I'm 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 totally with it. I'm totally okay. Like that's, I'm so far past that. It doesn't matter. And I'm, and when I say so far past that, it's not any, any specific situation or set of circumstances with any person being that, that being when I see people, I try my very best. Actually, it's kind of natural now. Like you, you are, a new version of you. Mm-hmm. And every time I see you, I have no idea because this, this happens to me. I don't know how it works with other people's consciousness, but whatever happens to you today, if you were sort of sober enough, and I mean that in various ways, but sort of sober enough and aware enough to absorb it and really take it in and let it sit with you, then I don't know how many hours you are awake in a day, but from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, that's many, many moments. Mm-hmm. That's many, many moments that have a huge possibility and not even possibility, but just it is going to make a huge impression upon your person mm-hmm. and your psyche. That means the next time I see you, you're not the person that I last spoke to. Mm-hmm. You're not entirely. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're a much more open person. Now, what's funny about these characteristics, these qualities that you think that other people are throwing on you, and that could very well be the case. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't talked to other people about Katie Morrow, <laughs> right? But I didn't think that, which is funny. I mean, I think that it, it came across to me the same exact way. So standoffish, yeah, but why? I think all of these things can have negative or positive connotations or just, or they can just be observations Mm -hmm. just on a very, very basic level. And so if you're standing off, like why though, why is she standing off? It could just very well be that she's just comfortable being over there. But if you talk to her, she's going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Now, when I came outside, I was asking you if anybody in the neighborhood had said hi, whatever. You're like, oh, I'm not that close. <laughs> and I said, well, how close does someone have to be for you for you to think that it's like proper for them to just wave or say hi? And you're like, I'm thinking anything more than 10 feet is weird. And I guess, I mean, one foot is very close. Two feet, very close. Three feet, four feet. Like, when do we say that it's like somebody's really in- invading your personal bubble? It's funny because I'll use, like, my antisocial ways. To me, I find, like, even the question of, like, how are you, mm-hmm. right? I worked at a place. I'm just going to a story to get to my point. Do it. Um, I worked at a place, and every single day the women would come in and out. It was primarily women. That's why I say women. Uh, they would come in and out, and they would literally be, like, walking in the door and go, Hey, good morning. How are you? Walk out the door. They wouldn't even wait for the response. For sure. Which, to me, is like, you don't care, so why ask? And I'm not even offended. I don't care if you're not interested in how I'm doing. 
doesn't bother me because truth of the matter is we have no rapport. Mm -hmm. So why are in the middle of a work day, we're going to sit down and have like a really good heart to heart, which could never happen even if we had a chance to sit down and have a heart to heart. So for me, there is this level of, oh my God, I'm going to keep it. That's right. Number three, I'm going to count them. Uh, I'm I'm not even going to move it away. I'm just going to count. Um, for me, I think there is this level of disinterest Mm -hmm. to the casual greetings, the casual, Mm -hmm. how are yous. And I think there, if I were to go introspective and like try to analyze why that is, there's a huge deep seated reason why. Mm -hmm. And, and, or it's not, I I really don't know. I'm not going to do that right now. Um, but when I think about like passing someone on the street, I am the person who smiles and I actually have been the person who asked, how are you? However, I do like to give the time for the response. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nine out of 10 times, if you're passing someone on the street and you're asking that, you're not waiting for the response, mm-hmm. which to me immediately gives off the impression that you aren't interested, which feels like a slap in the face mm-hmm. and not that nice greeting that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I feel like the the joke of 10 feet is like, at that point, that's something you do when you recognize someone. Yeah. You're like, oh, hey, Eye I'm going to come over to you now. Yeah. As opposed to if you're that far away, what are you, what are you hoping that you can get that close? Like, you're like, <laughs> hey, notice me. Like, that's what that feels like to me as opposed to like a nice greeting. <laughs> yes. That's that weird neighbor that stares at their door and like just, waves just to waving, the neighborhood. Giving the presidential <laughs> wave. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I That's not my vibe, at least. But I'm... Almost like what you said about standoffish. But if you were to go talk to them, wholeheartedly invested. I have nothing to say most of the time. And I'm really okay with having nothing to say. So then if somebody wants to come over and have like a legitimate conversation with me, well, then I'm all ears. and I'm going to be wholeheartedly invested. Mm. Um, But just, I'm not the person who's going to start that. So to me, I'd almost rather someone not start it with me. Yeah. But so then we're... No one's going to come over with that mindset and be like, we should talk. I don't know. Right. Maybe it's all just me. <laughs> I'm the problem. That's what, that's what all this comes down to. It's we just, figured just it you, out. It's just you playing chess with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I think I'm okay with it. Yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah. I can I can completely understand that. Um, so for me, one one of the things that I love about, again, this sort of discourse is I love memory. For the fact that if you are paying attention to someone, no matter how long it's been since we have conversations, there's certain things that ought to stick out, right? All the certain things that ought to be remarkable from that person. And one of the things that we uh, recently, I'll say in the past couple of years, because we had that conversation a couple of years mm-hmm. ago now, which is just wild. That was just a couple of years ago time. Anywho. You just spoke about how you're fine being quiet, mm-hmm. how you're fine not saying anything, right? Everything you've said up until this point is indicative of you being completely okay not talking to anyone. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's one thing that's hilarious. And then the second thing being, I remember that you told me you are not a fan of people speaking for the sake of words. Mm-hmm. I'm also not a fan of people speaking for the sake of saying words, for just filling space's sake. Mm-hmm. 
because we're too uncomfortable to just be silent Mm -hmm. and also occupy the same physical space as someone or whatever the case is. There is a flip side to where, you know, you may really enjoy when somebody comes to you and they're just trying to get straight to the meat and potatoes of your soul and whatever is going on or, you know, (laughs) something substantial, something gripping. A lot of people need to be soft, like baby stepped into that. You know what's interesting? Not to, not to cut you off. Yeah, it's actually uh, let me let me get more peels. Do to, it for me. Peel it back. We got back. time. Um, it's interesting to me because I actually am not one who loves diving into deep conversations immediately. I actually love the conversation where you're like, "So, what's your favorite color? Mm. What's what's your favorite genre of mu- music? Your least favorite? Mm. Why do you like that genre of movie? I don't know." Do you like going on hikes? Mm-hmm. What's your physical preference on activity, right? Like, seemingly meaningless stuff. Mm. But truth of the matter is, that's the stuff that makes a person. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm buying you a gift, I'm not going to actively give you my heart. Like, I can't do that. Very true. So I'm going to give you something that fits the things that are your likes and interests. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd have to know those things, which are the seemingly pointless things mm-hmm. that people don't like to, to, or not that they don't like to talk about, but get pushed aside when you're talking about getting to know someone. Yeah. I personally think those things are really valuable. Um, so I don't necessarily love going immediately into tell me who you are and about yourself. I don't know how to answer those questions. Mm. Not because I don't know the answer for myself, but because I feel like it is a daunting question. And does that person care? They haven't gotten to that point where I trust them, that they're actively interesting. Actually, actively interested. interested. Yes. And then on top of that, you mentioned memory. I one of my favorite traits in people is when they can remember something that I've said. Hmm. Doesn't matter how ridiculous it is, even if it was a joke I told three years ago and it stuck with them. Right. That type of stuff is so like that's like receiving a hug or getting a gift or having a heart to heart because it's somebody remembering something that you said and it's sticking with them and it's about you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. And if someone hasn't gotten to that point where I feel like they have listened and retained information and it's kind of that one ear in one ear out the other to respond, like Mm -hmm. we were talking about being able to just, Oh, I'm feeling that air. Mm -hmm. If that's the dynamic of the conversation, then going immediately into heart to heart, you haven't proven that it's going to be it's going to stick with you mm. therefore it's just as irrelevant as what's your favorite Mm, color just as shallow if that makes sense no it makes complete sense i hope everybody got that (laughs) no it makes complete sense i've already i've already spoken about this I, i look at it visually as a pool and that people can you can jump in the pool and if you're a good swimmer you can go to the deep end of the pool and you can swim deeply into the deep end of the pool. Those are people having deep, meaningful conversations about deep things. You're getting into it. Then you can just kind of like know how to tread water, but you're really still like kicking and you're, you're about to die and drown. But you're still in the deep end of the pool. But you're very surface about what is going on over there and you're barely above water. And you can be over here in the shallow end. And you can just be shallow and just be standing up in the shallow end and just have the water go to your shins. And you can just talk about fart jokes all day if that's what you want. Or you can still put your head underneath water in the shallow end. So you can still talk about the the nuance and the intricacies about what are seemingly shallow things. And a lot of the time, truly, 
if you're a good listener, like an exceptional listener, when you talk to people about things, there is a multitudinous, I mean, almost just unfathomable amount of information that you are getting that you just may not be aware of because you're not paying attention. But when I ask you what your favorite pie is, and then you start telling me that it's this pie, not simply because of the way that it tastes, but because it brings you back to your <laughs> grandma making it in the kitchen and what was going on and how you used to help her out and you used to wear a little apron and whatever it is, I'm learning tons about you. All I did was ask you about the pie. Mm -hmm. But now we're getting, matter of fact, you just asked me a question <laughs> before the podcast and I just thought, I just went on like a 20 minute rant. Yeah, so you learned good. a whole lot about me and I, and, and to corroborate what you're saying, I think people are far, I mean, more susceptible to giving their life and sharing things that are meaningful with them as long as they are looking at someone that is paying attention. As long oh, as there's sure. someone that is giving them their time, because we know the difference. We're like humans aren't as stupid as we call them all yeah. the time. Like if I'm looking at you, I know when your eyes are glazed over and you're just slightly looking a little too further to the right <laughs> than you should be. It's like, wait, no, I'm, I'm right. <laughs> you gotta catch their eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, hold on a second. Like, should I hold up something shiny? Like, what is what is happening? Where are you? You know that. You know when. I just had an awesome conversation with someone. Her name is Isabel Wellman, and I'm going to start doing some some episodes on her podcast too. It's called uh, Incredible Conversations. Pretty cool place. And I was I was telling her as I was talking to her because it was so refreshing. That's why I'm going to start doing episodes with her. I'm talking to her, and. I can only hope that this is how I come off to people because when I see it in someone else, it's it's so fervent and it's so vibrant and beautiful and attractive and alluring and gripping that like I, I could only hope to 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 give that off to exhibit that. I'm talking to her and one, she's just she's just listening, and I love these people. I just I just love when just people just you can just tell like they're just locked in. Mm -hmm. They're just listening. Like there's nothing else going on. It's just me and you. And then when I get done talking, every word that comes out of her mouth next is is so appropriate. It's so directly correlation, correlational, correlative correlative with everything that I just said. Mm -hmm. and you can tell she listened the whole way through and it wasn't in one ear and out the mm -hmm. other with just the intent to respond at the end with something cool. You could tell that she wasn't the type of person that was just holding on to some golden nugget that, that came into her mind mm -hmm. when I first started talking. So then she just stopped listening to the rest of the stuff. She was just there and present and it's so refreshing conversing and engaging with someone like that because you're truly just putting a bunch of ideas it's it's to me which is why i love doing this so much <laughs> it's such a beautiful art mm -hmm. it's like to me it's just like throwing up a huge canvas with someone and i haven't done this in ages probably since i was a kid but in just taking two brushes or just your hands and just d diving into paint in just making something together. You're not necessarily talking about it, but you are 
communicating it mm-hmm. as you're putting it on a canvas with a brush or whatever. Like I see what you're doing. Okay, man, I'm gonna maybe that might slowly, uh, you know, put some impression on the way that I, what color I'm gonna use next or what brush stroke I'm gonna do next. And it's the same thing when you're conversing with someone, but you're both there doing it truly. It's just like this beautiful, free flowing of data and information, and we'll never know where it's going to take us, right? We have no idea as long as we're both here for it. You have no idea. I have no notes here. Mm-hmm. I have no notes. Did you come with any notes? No. I see no sheet of paper. You have nothing. Nothing. We're just going to see what happens. Yeah. I love it. It's funny, too, because um, that conversation we had two years ago, let's call it that. Right. Um, in that conversation, we we you asked me a question that was, what was it in response to? It was in response to me saying that I can listen to someone have them make a full statement and have nothing to reply. Yeah. And you thought that was interesting. I forget what you said. I forget the exact question that you posed to me. But even like when you just finished right there, I am agreeing with everything you're saying and I wholeheartedly agree, right? Right. Um, But there is this part of me too that also can just take a step back and just kind of sit with that. Yeah. And I also am one of those people that, I, I don't know if it's like a delayed memory. Okay. Right? Okay. So I have this thing where I'll hang out with someone and somebody will ask me, oh, what you do? Mm. And I'll go, I have no idea. But then the next day I'll have like a laundry list of topics about what we talked about and what we okay. said and all that. And I think that's why I I, I think I sit too long with things. Mm. Um, but when you're saying... <laughs> the beauty of a conversation where you're bouncing back and forth and and it is so appropriate mm-hmm. to what that other person just said i sometimes actually feel like i fall flat on that mm-hmm. because i've gone almost to the excessive point of taking it in mm-hmm. and then i'm like oh i should call them a day later and 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 talk right which maybe that's good i don't know but like in a scenario like this, actually coming into this podcast, I was like, am I going to know what to say? Am I going to mm. have a response? Yeah. Even if I'm sitting there engaged and listening yeah. and wanting to respond, mm. there is that like, you know, when you have that ping pong with someone and then I'm over there, I'm trying to hit it. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not working, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is kind of interesting. You explaining what was her name again? Uh Emily, no, Isabel. 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 And, and that podcast, I think that's such a beautiful thing to be able to have that with somebody and you can go back and forth. And I'm not, that's not me saying like, oh my God, I'm boring or something. No. Right. But there is, I think that's when you found someone that you can really have that dialogue with is impressive mm-hmm. and it's not easy to come by. Yeah. And it's something I'm happy you're going to go do podcasts with that, be, uh, with her because that is hard to find mm-hmm. when it's that effortless. And yes. it's just, ping pong that's to me though that's the way that my mind sort of works like when someone starts speaking to me about something but someone starts speaking let me tell you how much of a freak i am let's just (laughs) let's just get into this when i wake up in the morning let's start with that i have no idea as none of us really do what's going to happen that day but what i do know for a fact is that various things that day are going to arrest my mind. Mm -hmm. I am going to be taken by something. It's going to be 
maybe a site or it's going to be a word or it's going to be a concept, something I read, something is going to happen to me that day that completely arrests my mind. How do I know that? Because I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a fucking child. And I love that part of myself because, and I was, it was funny as I was just having a conversation with the guy that, that does all the engineering for this, this podcast, Mikey, my friend. We, we were just talking about how being a child, because we were talking about time, actually, what's funny about this, is my relationship with time these days, I, I, it's so hard to explain. But maybe it's not. <laughs> when we were kids, it seemed like the day was a whole adventure. Like, it was just this... I don't want to even want to say drawn out, but it was just this maybe drawn out. Again, that has a negative connotation. Let's not put a negative connotation there. Yeah. This long drawn out adventure from the moment you woke up to the time you went to sleep. There was so much energy. I mean, you were just bountiful with, with just energy. It was just abundant. And you were running around looking at this, tasting this, screaming this hula hooping and playing basketball and fucking smashing your head into stuff and mm -hmm. scraping your knees and that's just what the world was every every day you woke up let me every day i woke up mm -hmm. and it was a fuck it was on i was ready to go it was an adventure and the worst thing you could possibly do was be told it was time to go to bed at the end of the night right. that was the worst fucking thing in the world then at some point you get older and you start to gain a memory of things and things slowly start to blend together and things start to seem like the same thing happening over and over again for a lot of people. All right, they get stuck in this muck of monotony. If you're able to adhere to some practices that can take you back out of that, you now find yourself being an older person that has a better understanding of the world, but then you slowly start to get this truncated vision like a child again. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons that, again, I love not only just doing this podcast, but just speaking to someone in general, mm -hmm. because I'm looking at someone and I'm outstandingly amazed. You have no idea what it's like in my mind. Like I'm fucking amazed because you're over there and I have no idea what it's like to be over there. Right. I have no clue what it's like to be over there, but you do. You have some idea of what it's like to be over there. And the only way I can know is if I sit and I listen and I ask you questions. And you're gracious and grateful enough to, to share with me mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on over there. And you're, I mean, you're so complex of a being. I could never truly know it all. Right. But that's that's the experience that's going on in front of us all the time is that it's just like life is just like this, you know, this smoke, this steam in front of us or like some weird, you know, psychedelic painting just floating around or like some kaleidoscope. It's just life is constantly being manipulated in front of us. And it's either you see it or you're in tune with it or you don't. And if you can get back to that then you find yourself immersed in the moment again. Whatever it is you're doing, you're washing dishes, you're, you're vacuuming, you're watching a video on YouTube, you're having a conversation with someone, you're doing whatever it is you're doing, but you're so immersed. 
you you love it so much you find the moments to be so much fuller and then time like a day goes by and you're like wow a whole day went by so it seems like it, it's a contradictory because it seems like it was a short amount of time but it seemed like so much happened within that amount of time that it seemed like it was long. Mm -hmm. It's like the weirdest contradiction, which is why I don't even know what the fuck time is to me anymore. Mm -hmm. When people say it feels like a week or, oh yeah, that felt like, that felt like two days. I'm like, I don't even know what that means anymore. I, I don't, I simply don't know what any of that means. The last Coming up on five months in like a week or so, or like a week actually, coming up on five months, I've been completely sober from all drinks and drugs of all sorts. And time is, it, it, shit is crazy out here now mm -hmm. because there's just so much more of it for me and so much more that I can, I can, I can absorb so much more I can interact with. And it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I think a lot of the times people forget they, I was also telling this to my friend Mikey that that there are like these moments, these mile markers that happen in your life, and then everything else in between is just the distance in between those milestones. Mm -hmm. And they forget that those are the moments too. Like they're all those moments. It's really interesting, actually. Um, my relationship with time. Uh, I've always, I've always said life is long mm. because to me, I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but I think the possibility of living a hundred years is a lot of time. Right. I also, I think it's a contradictory to come home and, oh, today took forever and mm. it's a negative all of a sudden for today to take forever. But then all that year flew by. Mm. I, just, I have a hard time with the language behind that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to go personal, um, I have a 13 year old dog now, right? Wow. And I've had her longer than I lived without her, right? Mm. So time, let me not get emotional. Time to me is in the freaking milliseconds, mm. right? It is, you know, when I go to work, I'm thinking about getting back to her because my life, not to say that like, oh, it, I'll figure out what that looks like. You know, that day comes when I don't have mm. what I call the love of my life. Right. Mm. Um, but that's actually something that I over the later parts of her life within like the last, you know, three, four years, I've really started to analyze what I feel towards existing. Right. Mm. Every single day waking up, what does that look like? Am I going through the motions or am I actually being present? Now, I'm not going to lie. I've always thought work is irrelevant. I, I do it. I don't, I don't take pride in it. I don't care about it at all. <laughs> it could, it could be gone tomorrow and I'd be probably happier, right? Happier. Use that really. We got like, time. Mildly, right? Yeah. Um, but when I think about what it feels like to, to what I, <laughs> When I think about what it feels like to think about a time, does that make any sense? To think about a time when I potentially don't have my girl, right? Bella is her name. Like it, it feels crippling, right? 
So I, I had chocolate lab, chocolate lab. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I started to come to terms with the idea that though I've always said life is long and that I want to be present. I started to really take into account what that looked like, mm. because though I, I made the statement life is long, I also do like when you were talking about your childhood and like how the days felt drawn out, I can't think of it maybe, but two childhood memories that I have of myself. Mm. I don't relate to that. I really, I, I, the earliest memory I can think of is at the age of like eight. Mm. And even that is like kind of fuzzy. Mm. And then I'm not going to lie. When I got Bella, it almost felt like my life began. And I was like 11 when that happened. And so then as time went by and she aged and she's getting older and, you know, health things have come up, I reanalyzed what the freak I'm doing and what the freak I want to be doing. And not to say that it almost created like the YOLO mindset, right? (laughs) But like in a weird way. Because I borderline can't talk about, think about a life where I'm not her mother, right? Mm. Some people might be triggered by that. Um, But because I don't want to picture that and it feels like I can't picture that, it makes every, like I said, millisecond feel like magic. Mm. I don't know how that really pertains directly to anything other than time is only what you make it, right? And like you even said about being sober and that you you feel like you have all this time, you you had it before. Yes. But that understanding and that awareness like clicked, right? That moment is almost unexplainable in my opinion because Mm. I feel like I've had that moment and it's been – over the course of several years that I've been coming to terms with it, it's not easy mm. because that also means once this chapter of being, you know, having my girl in my life, once that chapter ends, there's still going to be that time. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out what that looks like because mm. it feels terrifying now, mm. right? Why would I think about time, though, when it's not even here? That's another thing that's like we have a tendency to do, I think, as people, that we then think about our life and we think about it in those moments. Oh, what I'm going to do next? What I'm going to do next? Mm. And then when you think about losing something, it feels like, how can I do anything next? Mm. I mean, it feels crippling. My relationship with time feels really, really, really like, emotional Mm. maybe that might be the right word for it it just feels like i have an emotional connection to time or relationship with time and i think when you're talking about you know even using drawn out as a good thing Mm. please yeah please like i wish i didn't have to sleep i would love to not have to sleep that'd be great Mm. give me more like draw it out as long as i can i um and it no, and you didn't just go off somewhere because I know for a second you're like I don't know what that has anything to do with what <laughs> no it has everything to do with it. I've been interested in the Bhutanese people, you know, the people from Bhutan, uh, not Chinese well. province. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got on to them maybe like a year or so ago because they measure uh, happiness over there. So they they they, they do. Uh, 
GNH, gross national happiness, as opposed to our GDP or gross domestic product. Interesting. Yeah. So that's how they figure out and formulate and structure their province Mm -hmm. and how it is they're going to run their whole civilization. And it's based on, you know, various things that people need, like housing and ownership and physical health and mental health and all that sort of stuff. And people, you know, score these things and then they send it in and they figure out like what their gross national happiness is. So interesting. And it's like 6% of people over there say that they're unhappy. Now think about America, (laughs) right? So, 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 and this is, you'll see where this is going. The connection that I had with this place is that when I was young, I remember, and by the way, I was actually dating just at this point in time. We, were, Her and I were sitting down in my basement one day, <laughs> and I was, man, I was super hippied out at this point. Again, miasma, weed smoke. And I had some purple vans on, and I wouldn't get new vans. I just, I wanted to wear these motherfuckers into the ground. And my mom and my sister were like, Earl, stop. just get some new shoes. Like, we get it. Like, but just get some new shoes. Because I had duct tape around them at a point in time. Just keep the sole and the yeah. top together. Like, it was crazy. Uh, nabby ass hair, long, definitely had probably like some rope piece necklaces oh, yeah. on, some beads, bunch of tie dye. Still do some of the tie dye, a lot of tie dye, but tie dye I was making. And we we're down there in the basement, and I remember talking to her about a podcast that I wanted to start then, which is wild because podcast wasn't like a huge thing back yeah. then. But I remember, and I even remember the name. I wanted to, I wanted to call it the brighter side. And it was a podcast idea about bringing the brighter side of the world to people. Because I was always good at seeing the glass full, mm-hmm. right, all the time. And my dad kind of shut that shit down. He was just like, well, sometimes, Earl, you know, life isn't full. And, you know, sometimes the shit just isn't okay. So what are you going to do then? And I was like, oh, okay, like whatever. But during that conversation and me trying to pitch to my parents that I think I wanted to do a podcast... I remember telling them, listen, guys, because I was naive in a lot of ways, but there were there were things about me that I'm so proud of. When I look back at that guy, this is one of the things that I'm proud of him about because he fucking got me here. So fucking good for you, young Earl. I told them, guys, I know that most people my age are worried about X, Y and Z. I know that like I'm not I'm not having my head in the books at college right now. And whatever job I got at the time ain't really shit. Like, it's whatever. I think I'm, I'm selling sandwiches at the time. Not to shit on anyone selling sandwiches. Sorry. Whoa, that sounded crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't mean, to, didn't mean to do that. But I just mean I wasn't doing anything that necessarily fulfilled me. If you love sandwich making, that's a completely different thing. I didn't give a fuck about sandwich making or soup pouring, but that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Panera Bread. You remember that? No, I do. Yeah, I do. yeah, yeah. Good times, good times. We used to we used to bring some stuff down to Cold Stone at the end of the night. Like, we used to sneak salads and sandwiches out, and then the Cold Stone girls would give us ice cream at the end of the night. Well, how fun. It was the awesome bartering system. It was nice. very, very cool. And I remember telling them, listen, guys, I know that I'm not doing everything that everyone else is doing, or really give a fuck about it at all. And I know sometimes that pisses you guys off. But... But I feel like I'm working towards something greater. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to explain right now because I'm not Earl 10 years from now. He can do a good job. But right now, all I can tell you is that I'm looking for something deeper. I'm searching for something more. 
And I don't want to get to be in my higher 20s, 30s, 40s and don't know who the fuck I am or what the fuck I'm doing. I understand that people go through this life and go down all these paths that people tell them to go down in search, I believe, for happiness. Like that's that's what we're doing things for, for a sense of meaning and happiness. You don't no one is doing anything if it's not for that. You may be doing it because you're trying to grab externally like I let me get this car because the car is going to make me happy. And then mm-hmm. you get the car and figure out it doesn't make you happy or you get whatever sum of money like, oh, once I make 80,000, I'm going to be good. Oh, you get the 80,000. OK, you know what? Hedonic adaptation kicked in a mm-hmm. hundred thousand. OK, wait. Oh, shit. Yeah. That ain't quite it. I think once I hit that 125, though, <laughs> then I'm going to be good. Right. And you do that. Whatever it is. You aren't grasping, you aren't aspiring for happiness, for fulfillment. We all are. So myself, like the Bhutanese people thought, well, if everyone else is searching for happiness and meaningfulness and they're taking all of these routes to get there, why don't we just figure out at the square root mm-hmm what makes people happy and let's just focus on that instead of trying to acquire all this other shit to somehow get us to a point of being fulfilled why don't we just really get into the nitty-gritty of what makes someone truly fulfilled and let's go after that Mm -hmm. and so that's why the Bhutanese people in their culture resonated with me something that they do and they they embed deeply through through government and just through culture is they think about death every single day Hmm. usually two to three times a day they take a little bit of time out just as individuals and as a collective to think about death why because it's a fucking thing it's the Mm -hmm. only real thing that we'll all ever know It's always going to happen to all of us Mm -hmm. every single day. And so to act like it's not a thing that that is so corrosive for your daily life and your your quality of life. Mm -hmm. And this is why if and so when you say you have an emotional attachment to time, let me let me second that. The reason I take my time with people so seriously, as well as just things in general, because people have been listening. This This is episode 113, by Mm -hmm. the way. People have been listening to me for a little while. They know that I can be a little intense about certain things. Mm -hmm. And my passion is intense for a reason. It is because of this. I have known that I was going to die for a long time. Mm -hmm. And not only have I known it, but I've thought about it deeply. And I've thought about everyone that I've ever known dying deeply. And when you think about that and you grapple it and you wrestle with it and then you realize that you don't have to put it in a submission. It's just there. You guys are just one in the same. You're going to be there with it. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. Then you realize, well, how do I want to fucking spend my time here? Mm -hmm. I don't when you when you think it could truly happen at any point in time. Mad people wake up in the morning. And then before sundown, like they're dead and they didn't see that shit coming And the people that they love didn't see that shit coming. It happens every single day all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so to think that 
any one individual feels like they're exempt from that is foolhardy. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. And if you can truly understand that, well, then just just imagine if if you were on your deathbed, you would want to say something that means something to the people that were standing around you. Whoever was there, one, you would want people there. Two, if there were some people there, you would want to say something to them. You might want to say, I love you, or I always did, or you'd want to take in whatever it is they have to say to you, and maybe you're just going to be quiet and just let that mm-hmm. tear roll down your, your, your cheek. Whatever it is, you're going to want mm-hmm. to hold on to that last few set of moments. Mm-hmm. The issue is, we're all on our deathbeds and no one knows it. Oh, yeah. Well, some people know it, but not a lot of people know it. We're all dying. Some of us much quicker than others. Mm-hmm. Some of us, it'll just happen and you would have never you would have never thought. Yeah. But yet you're still spending your time not giving a fuck about just saying, oh, how are you hanging by and walking away? Right. You're not giving you're not you're not looking at life that way. You're not giving people in time the true respect that mm-hmm. they deserve. And so it's interesting. I'm with you. Actually. Um, to go back on the happiness thing for a second, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> okay. Well, the question, right? Okay. What is what is happiness to you? Like, if you had to just summarize, mm. what is happiness to you? What would you say? Uh, well, happiness is like a that sort of seems like um like an endorphin flux, like a serotonin influx, like dopamine rushing okay. through. Okay, you know? so hold that, right? Yeah. When I was going through the worst of some of my mental health stuff, right? I didn't give two rats, you know what, Mm -hmm. about happiness. Mm -hmm. Couldn't care less. I wanted to feel something. Mm -hmm. Sadness. Mm -hmm. Anger. Please give me, I don't know, an ounce of empathy towards someone. Happiness was irrelevant to me. Mm -hmm. Because happiness felt like, well, I might never get there. Because I wasn't even at a point where I could experience those other things. Right. So then to put the pressure on myself to experience what is happiness, which then is, a, and it's you actually answered what is happiness. It's really just a hormonal reaction, mm. right? However, people put it into how they live their life, mm-hmm. which you're never experiencing a hormonal reaction at all times. What are you aroused at all times? Mm. No, you're not. You're not. <laughs> Fucking don't, creep. Don't lie. You're not. <laughs> Fucking creep. You might think about stuff, but you're not. Right. <laughs> um, so to me in that point in time in my life, I wasn't thinking about happiness as an objective. It was, mm. okay, can I feel something? Right. And happiness felt like the one that was the farthest away solely because of the pressure that people put on it to be something you exist in mm-hmm. rather than what it is, which is an emotion mm-hmm. or a, a thing you can have tied to a memory or a feeling mm-hmm. because it is a feeling, right? So in the times when I was at my worst, when someone was, because people do that all the time, oh, just be happy, right? Okay, yeah, I can, I can be grateful and I can recognize that I don't have it bad. But what, is that supposed to cheer me up? Is it supposed to make me feel better that somebody has it worse out there? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. One, I'm the only person existing in my world. So not to discredit what other people go through, but that actually makes legitimate mental health feel like, cool, I'll just throw that one. I'll just be happy, right? <laughs> Buck it up. Like yeah. To me, that behavior is really dismissive to legitimate 
issues that someone could be experiencing. So when you say like, this is not towards something you said, but speaking about happiness, there is kind of, even in the back of my own head currently, though I'm doing so much better than I, than I've ever been, right? There is a disconnect towards living. I don't know how I would answer that. That what do the people, what are they? The Bhutanese? Bhutanese. I don't know if I would know how to answer mm. a chart for that. Mm. Even though I love the concept mm. because of truthfully a, a kind of a pessimistic and emotional reaction that that can sometimes trigger in me mm. because of what I've gone through. And I think having I would be curious of the 6% that you said mm-hmm. uh, would don't, I guess, aren't happy. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know if it has actually nothing to do with the actual answers, but something internally that's going on that prevents them from being able to answer those things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a huge loop that I just went in, right? But if you think happiness, this is I'm now me analyzing myself, if you think happiness is an achievable like thing you can mm. grasp and hold on to and exist in that's pretty daunting mm. to me mm-hmm. because that really starts to feel like oh well in those times where i'm not that did i fail mm-hmm. did i lose it will it come back i mean then that's like that that spiraling mindset i think anybody who struggled with a mental illness has gone through whatever that spiral is for the individual for me, hearing something like happiness does make me go back to that mindset. Of, oh, crap. Mm. Is it failure? Mm. I mean, at this point, I, I can objectively answer like, no, right? But in that darker state, you are kind of going like, well, am I being ungrateful now mm. that I, I'm not going like, man, I have this, I have this, I'm paying my bills, you know, I have a decent job. Like, I'm not recognizing those things because my brain state isn't releasing yeah. What, what, what did you just say it was? The, the serotonin. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not releasing that. So if it's not releasing that, I can't even recognize that I have those things. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge loop that it's like sometimes it's not just about like, it almost sounds like I'm disagreeing with the checklist mm-hmm. of what you, what you just said. It almost sounds like I'm disagreeing with you mm-hmm. because I think for me personally, I might have a hard time answering those things. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what the questions are, too. Right. But also in a state where I wasn't wasn't able to re- produce that serotonin, I, I potentially would be a rather pessimistic person and and answer it in a in a in a dark way. Yeah. So first question I should ask is when you said that you are the only person that exists in your world, you should probably elaborate exactly on that. So to me, what that means is you know the whole like I'm going to use the airplane scenario. Okay. You have to put on your face mask before you put on someone else's Mm. you have to take care of yourself before anybody else does it matter do i believe you can love someone and not love yourself wholeheartedly Mm. will you potentially f up the relationship occasionally yeah absolutely that's a whole different you know conversation in that but when i say i'm the only person who exists in my world it means that when i'm experiencing something i being empathetic no, sympathetic and feeling something that mm. somebody else is going through is irrelevant. Mm. Not to say that, like, my husband and I, right? Not to say that if he's going through something, well, if I'm going through something, then pff, it matters more. No, heck, oh my God, no, I'm not saying that. 
But I am saying that if I'm in that state and I try to approach him when he's going through something, that's going to get us nowhere. So I have to go back, figure something out for myself. Now, if he's in a good state, I just go talk to him. We'll figure it out. He knows me better than anybody who's ever known me in my entire life, right? Mm -hmm. And I could have really amazing conversations with him to get out of whatever space that I'm in. But if he's experiencing something and then I'm in that state, it's going to get nowhere. Mm. Because when I'm, I'm not talking about like, oh, I had a bad day. I'm talking about like rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Like those moments where you're like, I feel nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I want nothing. I can't even imagine what having a joyful conversation is, mm-hmm. right? Like you still feel love, but you're lost as the concept of what that actually means to you. Uh-huh. I mean, truly, like, everything escapes you, right? Mm-hmm. Or me. I need to stop saying you because I'm talking <laughs> about myself. Um, in those moments, I have to be the only person in my world, not because I'm not letting people in, but because if I were to expect somebody else to fix me, especially if recognizing, being able to recognize that other people go through stuff too, mm-hmm. it, it you have to have some sort of self-awareness first. I think that's kind of how I mean it by. Yeah. Is it, I know myself really well. I know myself better than anybody else. Obviously, even like what you were saying earlier about you have an entirely different perspective sitting mm-hmm. right there mm-hmm. than I could ever understand. Same thing to myself is I know myself better. And that means that if I want to go show up in a conversation, regardless of how hard or angry or sad or happy or whatever you want to call it, is I also know my own triggers, my own baggage, how when I respond, where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. No matter how well someone else knows you, you're really the only person who exists in your world and your world being in that space of consciousness yeah and i think that that has actually been something that can i feel like actually probably sound really lonely truthfully but at the same time i think there's strength in recognizing that no one else can fix you people can be there for you people can help you people can inspire you but at the same time, you are, it's the whole, like, you're the only person who exists in your brain, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we've all heard it. You're, the, you're really the only person who you go to bed with and wake up with. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're married or in a partnership or whatever that looks like. You really are the only person that is with you all the time. And no one knows every single thought that I have throughout my whole day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even though I'm in a relationship that, I mean, borderline does, because I, I just... We spew just everything to each other. Yeah. And I sometimes am one of those people who speaks to think. So I I often say the statement of like, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I'm figuring it out as I'm speaking. Yeah. And when I think about the relationship I have with myself and a lot of like the dissociative or dissociative? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like thoughts and behaviors that I've had. Being able to say, like, I am my universe, essentially, is actually really grounding for me. And it it, it doesn't feel, like what I said earlier, like, lonely. And I think Mm -hmm. it could be lonely to somebody. Mm -hmm. But, and and I'm going to go on, like, a side tangent, being married. 
being in a relationship that's I've had for 12, going on 13 years now, right? We are two separate people. Mm. We are not, and I hate it. I hate it more than anything when someone makes it sound like a package deal. Mm. If you invite Joshua, you're not inviting me. Mm-hmm. You have to invite me. Right. We're not a package deal. If you get something that is an interest Joshua has, why would you assume it's also my interest? Like, actually, we have no hobbies in common. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially when you're in a relationship uh, and one that's wholeheartedly monogamous, committed, right? I think a lot of times people get lost in that. And I think we were kind of having a conversation a about, bit, yeah. about that earlier. And for me... I need it. And I think that's why I have such a strong connection to, you know, I am my own universe. I am the only person who exists in that physical body Mm. of my universe, right? Because I'm really just stardust, right? We all are in a form or fashion, right? So I think to be able to, how do I want to word that? I think that's why I bring up the dog thing, Mm. right? Because it's the only thing in my entire life where I think I've created an identity with. Mm -hmm. Because I've I've lifted weights for 10 plus years. I don't care at all. Like, that's not even something I want to talk to somebody about. I've done multiple classes and got different degrees. I don't care. I think that's one of the least interesting things about me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, know, let me just keep going on and on about myself. But at the same time... That's not an identity. And I find like those are cool things for someone to know about me, but not necessarily me. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a relationship that I'm in. I think I found you'd have to know. I'm gonna, like feel like I need to give backstory to who I am in order for this to make sense. <laughs> but like if there's so much I'm just gonna say there's so much power in feeling like I am me, I am an individual, I am unique, I am I matter. Mm-hmm. That was a big one for me when super vague. Oh, when I was struggling, right? But when I was at my worst, pff, did I matter? Heck no. Oh right. my God. No. Matter? Who mattered? Mm-hmm. I was very pessimi- pessimistic about the idea of mattering. Mattering. Yeah. Ooh, who cares? Right? Even, oh yeah, people love you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about connecting to people. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter, in a form or fashion, I still don't Mm -hmm. but when i do it's like all of me Mm -hmm. right and so i think for me because of that type of stuff being able to just be present with myself and what i'm thinking and being comfortable there and existing in that silence and in that this is me right anything i do is that ripple effect to somebody else and that's the part that goes external but I sit with myself every day. Yeah. And I think being able to come to terms with that comfort and that it is me and that I am existing and that, you know, what I'm even saying to you isn't irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That's probably why truth of the matter is I don't care about talking to people very often is that does that matter to you? That's mm-hmm. still, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's still something that I, I, I think I battle with occasionally. Right. But I have come to terms with the idea that I really am. I can still love myself regardless of if these thoughts in the back of my head go like, do they give two craps mm-hmm. about what you're saying, how you feel, what you, how you exist in this world? 
because that voice can be strong. Mm-hmm. But when when I come to this point where I'm comfortable, just comfortable being the only person, I feel like there's power in that for me as an individual. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, 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 you're right. It, it does have to be that way. And I do think that people take loneliness as something sad, right? Um, like there's like it's smothered in dismay for some reason, but then the Bhutanese also believe in like a golden solitude, right? It's just a, it's, it's, exactly. It's just a, a completely different way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's clearly meditation over there. I've been meditating for quite some time now. And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to just to just exist and be present, because for me, it's not about the the acquisition of happiness in all moments. Right. Like who, who, nobody even wants to be around that person. I talked to the, the girl, Emily, <laughs> that I talked about earlier that was from the tropical smoothie days. We talked about people at, at our jobs not wanting you don't want to be the soul sucking person that's constantly in there just talking about how tired they are and how they don't want to be at work and how this person's fucking weird and they don't trust this person and whatever you yeah. don't want to be that person. It's just like God, like shut the fuck. Like this person sucks all of the vibrancy out of this place. But you also don't want to be the antithesis. You don't also want to be the fucking clown running around, <laughs> like just making jokes with a huge smile yeah. on your face, jumping up and down and rainbows are shooting out of your ass and fucking Skittles are shooting out of your mouth and no cotton candy's coming out of your ears. No one wants to be around that shit either. Like that's fucking annoying. Why? Because it's not natural. Because that's not a real thing. There right. should be a flux of emotions and moments and time taken. That's one of the things that I learned through through public speaking is a lot of the times people that do a lot of public speaking, they just, they're just like speaking on 160 BPM mm-hmm. and they think that being able to do that like a fucking printing press is impressive. And maybe to some people it is, but to slow down your words, pause is power a lot of the time. And it makes people listen to what it is you have to say. So it's just about the the way that you wanna you wanna look at things and the way that you wanna encounter and engage with the world around you. I think that sitting by yourself away from technology, away from other people, and being able to do that in solitude, in serenity, in in being able to just close your eyes and and again, th- this is this is not most people's experience, but being able to get to a point where you can do that and it's still and you can be by yourself and it's it's OK. It's not necessarily about this dopamine rush mm-hmm. that you're getting. If I wanted to do that, I just I would just go back to drugs. So like, <laughs> you, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's about peace of mind is a beautiful thing because. When things are peaceful, if you ever if you ever find that, I mean, we all find in different different points in our lives. Some people look up at the stars and and they're by themselves and it's quiet. Maybe they're out camping. There's a fire in the back. And maybe they're out there with their best friends or whatever. And this is just a moment that they have off by themselves. And they're just looking up at the stars without all the fucking, you know, ambient light and all Mm -hmm. this sort of stuff that usually comes. And you're just in the light pollution. Or maybe you're one of the people that just like love water and you're just at the beach 
and you you feel the sand underneath your toes and maybe mm-hmm. it's still it's still maybe nighttime or it's sunny whatever you like and you you hear the waves crashing and you see a fucking dolphin jump up and and, and there's a rainbow somewhere and there maybe some kids out you know boogie boarding or something like that and that just that does it for you right. whatever it is there's there's some sort of activity or place point time where we all feel a peace of mind where you just sit back and you think like this isn't that boisterous joy right mm-hmm. this isn't that but it's just things are just okay mm-hmm. like it's just it's just not chaotic yep. <laughs> and that's awesome yeah. it's awesome to just yeah. not be chaotic i think that's why i i with the happiness thing the only reason why i brought up like the feeling of like that when it's perceived as this as this like ultimate goal mm-hmm. i think there's there's like a so disconnect mm-hmm. for in my brain of like, mm-hmm. well, happiness is this thing, not an object, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and like you even saying about whatever those still moments are, those quiet, those when everything is just okay. I think being able to even recognize the feeling that you're feeling when that happens, to then be able to carry that with you in mm-hmm. whatever day to day life you're experiencing. Uh, that is harder than calling yourself a happy person. Yeah. Which is something I had to learn because of the point of view of happiness being like this object. And then going like, well, I mean, I'm not like sad, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, I don't know. I don't exist I'm not. I'm not the clown, but I'm also not the the one like spewing negative, right? Yes. I where do I fall? Mm-hmm. Where do I fall if I'm totally okay with truthfully not making those connections, mm. not being the one who even tries to ask the genuine "How are you back?" Mm. Right? Where does someone like that fall in a world that it, it seems to have like? It's like achievable things. Mm-hmm. I was like, but it's they're not really. They're and it is kind of in the moments, and then being able to figure out how you carry that mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I brought up like I feel like I have an emotional relationship with memory or with um, time. time because it, it 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 can't be described, but it's so like <laughs> shit is there yeah and you you exist in it it's, yes. it feels like i figured out a way to exist in that which i think had someone came to me in the points of time when i was like i have no idea what the freak happiness is mm-hmm. let alone or like i have no idea what sadness and anger is let alone happiness right mm-hmm. so had someone come to me in that time and go when are the moments where you feel like everything's okay i might have been able to go holy crap often mm-hmm you mean I didn't have to go after that thing? I didn't have to be the person who was like, gee, Willikers, the day was great today. Like, I, that felt so far away to be able to do that. I think I would have loved someone to come to me and just be like, you know, it's okay to be okay. And like nowadays, that's like the thing you say to people. Mm-hmm. That's the thing people say to people. And I wish, I mean, whatever. I, I am where I am, right? And I'm not complaining about that. But I think in that point in time, it might have been different, but it might have been worse. Who knows? Right? I'm not going to go back and mm. what it could have shit in my life because mm. I love where I am and I actually like what I went through in a former fashion. But moving forward, I want to make sure that when I talk to people, when I have those conversations, I do mention that 
being still and being okay and being at, even if the word's not peace, whatever that word is for mm-hmm. the individual, like that's really, that's cool. Yeah. That's a cool thing. It's 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 very cool because you have to understand that it's, it's in a lot of people's minds it's bombs going it's war it's fucking warfare it's bombs mm-hmm. going off and fucking bullets being fired and traffic jams and mm-hmm. honking of horns and fucking clowns and <laughs> cyclones and merry-go-rounds this is just a lot of shit yeah. going on at the same time so you have to understand that those moments are beautiful. And so that's those are those are my practices now to to, you know, have that connect to or attach to this idea of being the only one that kind of exists in your own world and like what that connection is to other people, because a lot of times you said, you know, I could give a fuck less about what the connection is to the next person, because Mm -hmm. what are you really going to do for me right now? Like this has to be done from within. Right. So. And I and I, I agree with you. I, I do think that things have to come from within before anything can truly happen without or externally. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in my meditations, now you occupy that space over there. You're a part of that consciousness over there that I can't really be a part of. But I told you the only way that I can get a glimpse, some sort of insight into what it's like is if I listen to you. Mm-hmm. Now, we've spent however long. What are we at right now? We're at hour 15 right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking to one another time. <laughs> and you, along with other people I've spoken to today, definitely the person that texted me earlier that I spoke about. These people might very well come up. I mean, in certain ways, it'll be the exact things that you said that I will ponder on. And then you might just play during my meditation as some avatar, Mm -hmm. as like some sim. And I might have a completely fabricated conversation with this person that occupies a space over there Mm -hmm. in my mind. So now you are to some degree or another, occupying this space over here. You don't know it. You don't necessarily feel it. But I'm thinking about you in my mind having a conversation with me. And a lot of times what that'll do, along with a bunch of other practices I do, is I have pleasant conversations with people in my mind. These things are not real. Mm -hmm. They're, They're not real things. But... But the energy that you give to me and the energy that my other friends and acquaintances and newcomers in life come and give to me will play into my daily meditations and and my daily sifting through memories in the more positivity and in pleasant conversations with other people that's going to find its way into my psyche. And it's going to meld with the way that I further converse with people to some degree or another. And so I, I kind of believe in this thing called de- determinism so that it's just in a, in a nutshell, our brain is giving us a series of options in any given moment. And all you can do is try your best to pick the best option, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you can't pick something that doesn't occur to you as an option. 
So you try to pick the best one. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm at this store. Am I going to purchase this or am I going to purchase that? You get to make the decision. Your brain's going to give you the option. You can pick this up or you can pick this up. Which one are you going to pick and why are you going to pick it? And so at the end of the day, I feel like there's just two modes. There is you're either working on a conscious network or you're working on a compulsive network. It's just whatever decision you make next. Mm -hmm. Did you did you decide to do that? Did you think I want to do this? So I'm going to do this. Or did you just pick up your phone because you have a compulsion to pick up your phone? <laughs> like, why did you just pick up your phone? Did something go off? Did you pick it up because you want to text and call someone? Mm -hmm. or, or did you just touch your phone because you're a fucking phone addict? Right. Right. So you're working off of two different modes. Every decision I make, I try my best to make conscious decisions so that they further propagate growth and nourishment so that the next time maybe I'll get like a bonus mm -hmm. unlocking of a super cool option that I didn't have last time. Yeah. So every time you're just like, okay, I know that I could eat this big ass cupcake right now. <laughs> I, I, I can I can definitely do that. That's an option in my brain. My brain says, Earl, you can pick up this cupcake and you can eat it. And that's totally fine. The cupcake tastes great. It's fucking it's here. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's half the battle. The, the cupcake's here. I can eat it. It's actually in view. Or you can go over here and you can make yourself a salad. Now, depending upon how you are, you know, there, there are various different reasons why you may want to pick the cupcake over the salad or the salad over the right. cupcake. But there is a, a definite series of situations and circumstances and decision making that will allow you to further make better decisions. And usually in human beings, picking the cupcake does not allow the person to then unlock the better option later on. You want, you want to go first? Can I, can I just add something go for to it. that real quick? Go for it. I think there's a caveat there. Do it. Which is when, and I have to, I have to bring just a quick mental disorder in because I may because right? I may have triggered you, right? Unless you're in that toxic, restricted, that's you have to, you have to choose the salad, you have to, right? And and that's that that's your the... mind telling you that like you have one option, right? Okay. This is now not necessarily compulsive and, or what you is Compulsive and conscious. Con conscious, right? Your brain is telling you almost how dare, it's bullying you into, how dare you even consider the other option. Mm. So it's almost, it's almost restricting you into this narrow one decision. Mm. Not, you can't even be compulsive. F you. Mm. You have one decision. Because mm. if you don't, you know what's going to happen. No, we don't. What's going to happen? Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, like just using the cupcake as the scenario, right? When you're in that state and you feel like there is, and I'm going to go directly food related, right? Mm -hmm. So legitimately taking the cupcake could be setting you into a freedom zone mm -hmm. and opening your mind up to being able to actually accept more options. Mm -hmm. So, I went very literal to salad and cupcake yeah, yeah, because of what it feels like to have a restrictive mindset mm -hmm. and what that looks like 
when you're given options mm. with a restricted mindset, mm. it doesn't feel like options. Mm -hmm. It feels like a have to. Mm -hmm. um, and when you set yourself free to be able to pick the cupcake, mm. things open up, things change, your life changes. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that that sounds like such a little narrow, like, Oh, what's a, is a cupcake really? But like legitimately, the cupcake could be the thing that changes your life. Right. It's just, and, and that's a very, very small way to say something that's a very large conversation. But just to go on to what you said about salad and cupcake yes, specifically. Yes, 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 yes. But I understand Spe what you're Specifically yes. about salad and cupcake, absolutely. In this, in this time. Now, if you are about to eat 10 times, <laughs> right? Now, I'm not saying all at once, but you're going to, just the mm -hmm. next 10 times you're going to eat and there are 10 cupcakes and 10 salads ahead of you. Right. And say you want to set yourself free. And so you have this, this conscious act of, well, I'm going to pick the cupcake because the cupcake will... Uh, because it is an option that I can pick. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to be restricted to the salad because there are two things here in front of me. So there actually are two options. Mm -hmm. So allow me to consciously pick the cupcake. Right. How many times now do you pick the cupcake? And just on a biological, physiological level, does that help you versus the amount of times that you could have picked a salad? Now again, this is this is not me trying to really pick on the the, the mm -hmm. whole like dietary restriction type of thing. But there is something in restriction, right? So because at that point, if there is none, then you're right. You could open yourself to an unfathomable amount of options. Mm -hmm. What we're getting to is trial and error. Mm -hmm. So if you go down the road of trial and error and you pick these other options, how many times do you pick these options and they do you well, right? Mm -hmm. Versus this other option. Now, clearly you have to go through your human experience and figure that out. That's right. an experiment. So the, the, the point that I'm getting at is with whatever practices you're about to do, because keep in mind, you are practicing something. Every single day you're doing something, it's a practice. You may not look at it that way. Mm -hmm. You may not phrase it that way, but you're practicing something. So it's, 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 I think it's advantageous to sit at the end of the night and close your eyes and think, what did I practice today? Who, what did I, how did I treat people? How did I talk to them? What was my activity? Because that thing that I chose to give my time to, whether it was an activity or it was just like some content or, you know, whatever it was I was doing, I practiced doing that thing today versus something that could have been in its place. Mm -hmm. So what is that thing? When you sit with your practices, hopefully long enough, you take note of what has been helping you and what has been hurting you. And if you do that long enough, then you can do certain things that don't just make you feel good on a, on a happiness level, but that allow you to see more, that allow you to unlock new options that were not available to you before. And they're not just they're not just options, but they're great options. And when I mean great options, I mean options that are going to continue 
to further unlock better options, Mm -hmm. options being options that serve you, that serve other people. This goes back to the whole connection thing. This is why I went on all this. Because these practices ought to be nourishing yourself, as you were saying first, put your oxygen mask on first. They ought to be nourishing yourself first. You might, symptoms of this may feel like you have more energy. You may feel some semblance of peace of mind. You may feel stronger, more confident, maybe. More of a help to others, possibly if you have a surplus of energy Mm -hmm. and can do that. And so once that happens... You can help others. You can now reach over and put someone's oxygen mask mm-hmm. over them. In the, the conversations that I have with you or anyone else on this podcast that work alongside my own individual practices that help nourish myself, mm-hmm. they're all one huge cycle. And it's not even just a circle. It's just like it's spherical. It's a spherical intertwining of threads that work its way through my existence all the time. And so anytime that I'm helping other people through what I've been able to do for myself, that energy comes back towards me. It's like it's it's just a renewable resource. It's just it's just constantly just a natural renewable resource that's feeding itself. And so you find yourself giving yourself more to these practices that nourish yourself. And then you see the people around you that are in close proximity, maybe become a little bit happier, maybe start to try to find some meaning in their life, maybe start thinking about things a little differently. They start to grow from the nutrients that is coming from the fruit that you bear now. Mm -hmm. And then they grow. And so that is just a byproduct of what it is you are doing for yourself. It's not yeah. it's not the product, it's a byproduct. It's yeah. just going to happen. Oh yeah. So so that's that's where I go as far as the the, the connection with yeah. other people and all that sort of stuff. I just I try my best. I, I you know, just very specific so I can be a little bit more concise. Examples. When I started doing yin yoga specifically, because I was doing vinyasa flow and it's cool. I enjoy it. I'm certain it's a lot more for other people than it is for me. I can get in a certain flow in a certain state while I'm doing that, and I enjoy it. But yin, to sit in a pose for five minutes at a time, to sit in a deep stretch for five minutes at a time before you get out and switch to the other side and do that side and then do another pose. One, your 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 muscles become so loose and you just melt further and further into the pose and it feels so good and then you you you're sitting there taking time by yourself so there's some form of meditation now happening right there's some sort of a union between your mind and your body relaxing at the same time mm-hmm. having this this peaceful harmony that I like to call it right you call it this golden solitude mm-hmm. and you do that for a little while and it relieves tension from your muscles once it relieves tension from your muscles, wherever you were feeling pain before is now that pain is ameliorated. It is now relieved. That pain is going to have a direct correlation with your mood 
because you know because if someone's slapping you in the face all day, you're not going to be very happy. So it's the same thing. You just have a neck pain, which I used to have yeah. all day. You may not even notice it, but there's some pain that you've just now grown accustomed to. Mm -hmm. You're just acclimated to the pain. So you just walk around with it. But then when it's finally relieved, like I imagine if you go to a chiropractor and he just <laughs> just cracks you up or you go to a masseuse That's and good. then you leave, you're like, oh, damn, I didn't even know that I was upset because of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's one of the things. So then maybe you stretch for a little while and then you start stretching like five minutes a day. Then it's 10 minutes a day. Then it's 30 minutes a day. And then you're like, damn, I feel like I was I'm in a better mood than I was three weeks ago. Yeah. That's weird. And I'm in a better mood just as a baseline. Not just because I have this endorphin influx. Like, yeah. it's just, like I just feel like I'm better. Mm -hmm. And then that allows you to think a little bit clearer than you did three weeks ago. So then you think, oh, you know what, man? Like, all right. Now you start thinking about things. You're like, I feel a little bit better. That's cool. Like, hmm. Like, what, what's going on with this bed over here? Like, I should, I should, I don't know. This bed's not nearly as comfortable as I like. As it could be. Maybe I ought to get like a memory foam topper or something like that. A little memory foam topper for 60 bucks from Walmart or something like that. Or a memory foam pillow, whatever it is. And then maybe you, you figure out exactly what temperature you like it in the room. Or you like it if you play like some vi some small violin or white <laughs> noise or like some little ocean sonar sounds yeah. or, you know, wind or jungle or something like that. Or some wheat fields. I love wheat fields. Blowing. <laughs> I love that. And then now you're going to sleep better because you stretched and because you figured out how you like to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then now you're sleeping in a way that you haven't slept for a long time, if you ever got good sleep. But now your sleep is augmented, meaning you're getting better REM, your body's actually resting, your brain's actually resting through the night. Then you wake up and you're like, damn, I'm kind of like, feel kind of sprightly today. Like I'm ready to go. Yeah. So now you stretch, you release tension, you figure out how you like to sleep, you sleep better, you wake up, you're well rested and your body's loose. So now you're thinking even better. So you're like, well, damn. Okay, that's cool. So then now you're just a little bit more aware. You're a little bit more conscious of what you're doing because you've had sleep, right? So now you've had sleep. So now you just start looking around at stuff a little bit differently than you did before when you weren't getting great sleep. Mm -hmm. And you were upset because you had fucking mu like muscle spasms in your neck for the past eight years. Then you start looking at the food you're eating. And you think, Katie, I'm going to tread lightly here. You start, mm -hmm. you start looking at the food you're eating, right? By the way, this is all biographical. Autobiographical. And you think... How much money do I spend on food? Yeah. Why do I eat as much food as I do? Like, just just let me ask the question. Mm -hmm. Why do I? Because I just ate this big ass cheeseburger and I wasn't even hungry when I ate it. <laughs> I just I just ate the cheeseburger. Yeah. I, I I felt like. If I didn't eat the cheeseburger, I might be hungry two hours from that moment. So I eat the cheeseburger now to go ahead and quell that would-be hunger. That's so funny, yeah. Right? So how much money am I spending? How much overeating am I doing? Have I ever sat with hunger? Have I ever sat with hunger long enough to know what hunger feels like really? Mm -hmm. And does is it like a snowball effect? And does it just get worse over time? Or, or or does it not? Does it does it sort of just fall into the background as long as I just drink water and maybe have something small here and something small there? Like, I'm good to go. Turns out for me, 
because I cut out caffeine the same day I decided I was going to chop my my diet mm-hmm. in the fucking half, really. <laughs> my energy shot through the roof, mm-hmm. right? I feel lighter. There's something called the itis, mm-hmm. right? Where you eat a bunch of ton- just huge, greasy fucking food and you just fall out. People do the thing where they unbutton their, be- <laughs> their, unbutton their pants and they fucking fall out. And all oh, the fucking eyes roll the back of their head and there's drool coming out. Like, oh, my God, it's fucking amazing. And, and then they go eat an hour afterwards. But the point is the opposite of that. You feel light. You feel keen, shrewd. You're ready to go. Like all cylinders are firing and you wonder, oh, I guess I didn't have to do that other thing. So this is one of those points where restriction does set me free. Mm -hmm. It's a weird way of looking at it, but sometimes restrictions set us free. It's interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a question that sparked and I don't remember it at the top of my head. So I'm going to keep going. Hopefully it'll come. Okay. Um, I don't know if I would call it restriction. Okay. Because when you find restriction is a mindset. Okay. Restriction is something that you your your brain like eats at you. Mm. Right? Mm. When you find something that's easy for you, that like you enjoy, that makes you feel better, that's not restriction. To me. I don't think that you know it sometimes until you do enough restriction. I think sometimes people do something that's good for them and it doesn't feel good immediately. And because we're geared towards instant gratification, you walk away from it. Because if it doesn't feel good the very first time you do it, then you may be like, I don't want to do this again. But if you restrict yourself from quitting then you may find yourself on the other side like, wow, I'm really, gla- I'm really glad that I made this restriction and I told myself I was going to keep doing this. Because, I mean, for sure. Because if I didn't, then I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't realize that I had to push past the pain to feel relieved. I think you still have to have a lot of self-awareness to even say what you just said. Oh, for sure. Because like... A thousand percent. Because you spun the word restriction... Which you could do technically with any word mm. to make it fit two narratives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in a, what was the question that I had for you? I really wish that I could remember. But it's it's interesting to me because the word restriction isn't inherently, like, I don't view it as, like, a negative word. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, that technically speaking, probably everybody exists in that all the time, regardless of if. They feel like they're do- like somebody could do everything that you say you're doing. Obviously, like you said, it's auto autobiograph- autobiographical. <laughs> yes, right. Like you said, that's for you. Someone could do exactly what you're doing and be like, "I hate my life," yeah. right? And then never get to that point where they even feel better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because we're all entirely different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you to say like you know what you said about um, it, it's almost restriction. What? How did you word that? You said it was, you like you got accustomed to the restriction. How did you say that? You the, feel the, like you, restriction. Did you become acclimated to the? Yes, to the something like you said something along those lines that mm. you spun restriction restriction in a way that is very pretty and lovely, right? <laughs> um, and I think that's definitely when you hear restriction, 
it's spun that way weirdly. And let me go very deep into just like actually diet culture, right? Restriction is entirely spun in this way that it's going to change your life for the better. Mm-hmm. Like, duh, if you eat less, you're going to feel better. Duh, if you sleep better, you're going to feel better. Duh, if you work out, you're going to feel better. It's like, wow, that's a lot to put on someone. And then people end up going to the wayside with it. Mm. And they're like, well, see, I feel bad because I didn't get my gallon of water in today. Mm. Well, you feel bad because you didn't drink enough water today? Be happy you drank water today. Mm. Like, then it goes too far into the other side of doing things that are good for you. That's why I said you have to have a lot of self-awareness to recognize that, oh, I could even recognize I'm not comfortable, but I know I'm going to be because I know myself well enough to know how these relationships with food or movement or sleep impact my life. Mm -hmm. Even to recognize that when you do those deep stretch, you're like, I genuinely feel that that relief, mm-hmm. that that lightness, that I don't think most people, Not it's not even about quickness of when that happens to them. I don't know if people know what that feels like from the get-go because we put pressure on ourselves. Forget about fitness and food and movement. So many other things people put pressure on themselves about and that I think then when you add those things of, oh, you should stretch and figure out your sleep and your food and all that, they just become more stress mm. for that person. And I really wish more people could figure out that, that I mean, heck, I, I'm not at that point where I'm like, oh, comfortable. I'm going to use the word comfortable again. Comfortable with my routine to the point that I would say, like, I've found it, mm. right? You know, even while you were talking, you were talking about sleep. Something sparked in my brain immediately of my relationship with sleep. I've had an awful relationship with sleep my entire life. Mm-hmm. I've slept with my in the same bed as my parents till I was like almost 13. Mm-hmm. I hated sleeping alone. I hated it. I couldn't get to bed alone. I would have nightmares and bad dreams and I'd be and not even scared of the dark. I have no idea what it was, right? And to this day, going the act of going to bed Getting in bed is not relaxing. It's not calming. It's not comforting. Mm. Um, the only time it is is if Joshua sits and talks to me until I fall asleep mm. because there's a comforting voice there. There's something because we never go to sleep at the same time. Mm. Um, and even if, he, if like if we go to bed at the same time, it's still just as bad. So it has nothing to do with just a person being there, mm. which is very interesting. Um, but then if I just fall asleep on the couch some of the best sleep that I ever have because it was natural and just happened, right? Mm. So I'm trying, as you were talking, I was like sparked in my brain of I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for me, Mm. being able to get into that comfortability of something that you have to do technically, right? Because Mm. I know it impacts your life and it's better. But then I put pressure on myself. This is kind of where I was going with this. I put pressure on myself. Well, you should go to bed. You should get into the bed because that's, you paid money for a good bed. You have mm. a good bed. You have a good pillow. You have a nighttime routine, right? But then if I don't do it, I'm like, oh, see, I'm failing at that thing, mm. right? Not necessarily that harsh, but that, you know, that voice in the back of my head, that's why I said, like, uh, um, restriction feels like a nagging. Mm. Because it almost, it, it's the same voice that tells you, like, oh, well, that thing that you know is going to make you feel better, that if you do, because you always, I, I always feel better if I go to bed and actually sleep, right? Mm-hmm. If all things work out, if I try to go to bed, it doesn't work out. Anyway, I had to correct myself (laughs) from something that I previously said. Um, 
but I'm not at that point where it doesn't feel like a chore. Mm -hmm. Like, why does sleep feel like a chore? Right. And I think where the self-awareness talking to you um, about you recognizing that you even feel better over a course of time, regardless of how quickly that was and sticking to it. You, it doesn't matter how long you stick with something if you don't have the self-awareness moving into it of even the whys behind you're doing it yeah. and the why that it could even be making you feel better. Because mm-hmm. there's other stuff that plays into that. I mean, not everybody, almost like the itis that you were talking about, not everybody gets that after eating, <laughs> eating food. Like my husband's one of those people who can eat literally anything and mm-hmm. everything and is like the Energizer Bunny, mm-hmm. right? Um and, you know, everybody's different, but having, let me just say it again. Do it. The self-awareness to be able to recognize, like, your the ultimate way you want to be existing, right? You found a pretty good niche for yourself, it seems like. Yeah. And something that sounds like you've done in a sustainable way that you're going to be able to carry with your life, regardless of how busy you get, or if you're stressed, or if something emotional happened that day. mm no, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you've gotten into this rhythm for yourself. Yeah. I feel like most people, me included, if you have something that you hit that bump in the road, mm-hmm. then it can throw it all off. But unless you're unless you're able to recognize <laughs> that, that that's your thing, yeah, then you're going to blame it on, well, see, it's not working yet. Mm-hmm. But not like I'm an emotional person and I typically react emotionally. Yeah. Not to people, not to just anybody, but like I feel things very strongly. And I carry that with me. And then I, it almost plays in my head like a scene from a movie, just over and over and over and over and over again. And it becomes like this weight. And I think that's probably why then when it comes to bedtime, well, that only makes it worse. What are you thinking about when you're going to bed? Your day. Mm -hmm. Well, in my case, I'm not thinking about my day. I'm thinking about this thing that potentially triggered something in my brain that then plays on repeat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have, unfortunately, some kind of minor like OCD tendencies. Mm -hmm. So that only amplifies when I then try to go to bed and try to relax, Mm -hmm. trying to relax, right? then even to go further back into the conversation about finding that point in time where you're just okay, that's the thing that I try to take to sleep with me is those feelings of just being okay. Where was I going with this? Um, <laughs> something you said sparked that in the first place, and I don't remember what it was now, but um, I love the idea yes. of more people even not viewing restriction as necessarily such a negative, harsh, bad thing. Every word can be spun negative and positively. And listening to you talk, there's so much self-awareness there that it, it, I don't know. I don't know if as many people could even recognize the pattern there or something. I don't know. I'm going to go in circles. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I can understand that. Yeah, no, I, I listen, again, autobiographical. Um I, I'm not peddling this on the street. Oh no. I, don't, no, no. I, I definitely yeah, there is a um I I uh I have my human experience and 
I, I follow these, I follow these things, whether they're, they're restrictions or they're forms of liberation, however no, you right. like to look at them. Right. Yeah. And, and you're right. I, I try my best to, to start at, at the square root of things. Again, just start at, at, at the root. Whatever it is I'm about to do, like how can I, how can I maximize this thing? Like what could I possibly do to make this thing better? There was a point where you and I, I think you had um, reached out on Instagram. You told me that the story that we had posted that that week was was cool. I think it was about having communication with friends and loved ones, mm-hmm. and how difficult that can be for for certain people. Like it's not difficult for certain people in your life, but with other people, it's not quite as honest and as free flowing or as quite as deep as you may like it to be. Whatever. And that's that's another one of these things we can sort of jump into and tackle. It, it, you know, it definitely coalesces with this. Here's some awareness. A lot of who we're about to be is contingent upon, again, what we are ingesting and digesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe, you, you know, you don't have the awareness to, to, to exercise in a way that makes you feel good. Or you don't have the awareness to to do research, whether that's, you know, through the the waves, through the networks or experimentally on yourself with food items. And you figure out which ones make you feel good throughout a course of time and which ones do not. You don't know how to do that either. I'm assuming that that may spill into your engagements with other human beings. It may. It may not. If you are not being, again, this is about thinking about death and figuring out how you want to spend your time with people. If you are not having conversations with people that grip you or that inspire you or that pull you or that make you feel something or provoke thought or stir any, Mm -hmm. stir your soul, then you have to understand that you're not having those conversations. And you have to understand that there are people that are having those conversations mm-hmm. and that there is a stark difference in the experience of these two different types of human beings, the ones having these conversations and the ones that are not. But if you can bring yourself to start researching and start thinking, maybe having conversations, well, what what even is that? What does it look like from over there? Maybe it won't look like that exactly over here. Yeah. But what but what is what is this person doing? They're saying that they're being honest. All right, well, what exactly does that mean? How honest can I be? What if I'm wrong about things? Is that me not being honest? Yeah. Am I just being wrong? Like, what, what if I'm trying my best to be honest and I, and I still can't do it? Or what if I want to ask them how their life is really going or how they feel about their chocolate lab mm-hmm. or how they feel about their job or how they feel about their marriage, whatever but like, I don't really got it in me to do it because I know that that's going to be deep and I don't want to take on whatever it is that they're about to pile yeah, on me. Yeah. Like that could be, that could be way too much. And I don't even got it going on over here to even take that sort of energy in right now. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, I think that all you can do is try to pick the best option that your brain presents you. You're right. 
you are so right. Everyone's not going to have the awareness to to really sift through all these things and decipher all these codes that I'm talking about. All you can do is get your set of options presented to you from your brain Mm -hmm. at any point in time of the day and try to pick the best one, hoping that that will actually be the best one. Because you might have some weird shit going on and the options are just flipping around in your mind and, you, and you're just like, oh, that one. Yeah. You don't even, you can't even slow the options down. You can't even have the peace of mind and the presence of mind to actually choose what you think is the best one. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're just like, that one, sure, I'll just do this. Yeah. Because it's just a fog and maybe you're overcome with, with anxiety or depression and so... Like the options that pop up in your mind, not only are they doing cartwheels and flips, you got dyslexia, they're backwards, rightwards, like there's all sorts of shit going on in there. Right? So it's so it's so it's so it's really weird. All you can really do is try. Yeah. It's it it is a it is a, a wild it's a wild game, but I but I call it a game because I think that is why we are I mean, I've just been watching some guys play games on YouTube, honestly. It's actually insane mm-hmm. how huge gaming has gotten oh, and how yeah. much money people make and how many tens of thousands of people go to some of these gaming competitions yeah. and stuff like that. It's wild. But I think the reason why so many of us, why games are so big, why they're so gripping, why people love them and so enthralled with storytelling throughout games and actually just, just going through the modes is because you get to usually choose some sort of character of some sorts and you're moving through and there's progress. You get to see you choose an avatar, mm-hmm. which is what happened, whatever you believe in. An right. avatar was chosen of some sorts. You fucking popped up here. And you get to see you go and you get a level up here. And you go upgrade this over here. And you reach level two. And then you go do that again. And you go defeat this mission. And you have a little submission over here. A little side mission. You go do that. That gives you some extra shit over here. It makes you stronger. It makes you better. Mm-hmm. And you just you get to see that. You can conceptualize that there are decisions you can make that are that are going to help you progress through the game. Right. And ones that are just going to have you turn the game off because you keep losing. It's game over. Yeah. Right. So you can conceptualize that when it's in a program in a in a PlayStation or an Xbox or on your console or a Nintendo. Like you can you can conceptualize it. But people lose sight of the fact that their life is a game of sorts. Like this like that was an imitation of life. Mm-hmm. And so you're walking around and there are level ups. Now maybe you're confused as to how to get that level up or how to complete that that mission, that that level but the good thing is, is that you you're granted some time. Mm-hmm. You're granted some time, and as long as you don't kill yourself, <laughs> you can you can keep on doing things, failing, trying other tactics and strategies, fail. But you learn something through the failures. Hopefully, mm-hmm. if you play video games well, hopefully when you fail, you're like, well, I can't do that anymore. Right. That doesn't work on this level. Or I'm not the type of person that can even achieve that type of thing right now. Okay, I need to find a craftier way to achieve this mission. And then you figure it out and it feels fucking great. And you're at the next level and you're like, oh, this is fucking awesome. I'm stronger now. I'm better. I can play the game better now. I understand the framework Mm -hmm. of the game better. It's not even just I'm better at this level. Right. 
the next level's harder, mm-hmm. but I'm better at understanding the way that the game works and the way that I interact within the game that allows me to be able to find out a way to now beat this much more difficult and intricate level. And so that's life in a nutshell. Like you just keep fucking up every day. That's that's all you can do. All you can hope to do from those fuck ups is learn. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're not, if you're just running your head into a wall a thousand times and you're you're not learning anything, you just make the same mistakes in your relationships over and over and over or or conscious, compulsive, whatever you're eating or doing whatever. And it feels like shit every single time or just every day, just nothing ever seems to get better in any department in your life ever, at some point, you have to say that you're not paying attention because it's 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 giving you the blueprint. Every time you fail at something, that is every time you hurt or you fail or you feel unfulfilled, that is that is a light. That's a beacon. It's indicative of you doing something that is not serving you. If it's happening again through the course of time, sometimes you do something the first time, it doesn't feel good. You continue to do it. It feels great and vice versa. Right. So you have to again, that's why time and trial and error is a thing. But if you just keep doing something and nothing's ever fluctuating, then you you have to learn how to manipulate the factors. I have a question for you. Go. Because since this kind of started with you bringing up the, the, the friendship aspect, right? What would you say is something that has negatively impacted the way that you've walked through your life? Like a trigger that you have to this day, something that someone says or something that someone does that is like that reaction of something you've experienced that it takes you back there. Um, there's nothing I I am the master of my own mind. So the only thing that it would be would that I that I had a a, a moment of of weakness. Th- th- no one controls me. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't make me mad. You don't make me sad. Right. You don't rock me or knock me off my boat. Mm-hmm. I am allowing myself in a moment to be attached to something that holds no true weight. Mm-hmm. And that is the that is the origin of my suffering. And with that awareness, it's no longer the origin of my suffering. There is no more suffering. Anyone that says anything, I've I've there are people that people say racist things you know that would that would mean that i would have to that i would have to take that to heart that i would first of all anybody doing anything i feel so sad for them that that's first it's like it's it's not not to a point where like i feel dismay and dejected but i'm certainly not upset i'm not angry i'm like wow you you poor soul right like you, you debase yourself, right? Trying to degrade someone 
That is you are in a hurtful place. I remember being there. I remember that. I remember that feeling. What it was like to go out of your way to make someone else feel bad. I remember that and I remember what I felt like. And that's a terrible place. So you're already I I there was a time when um I was sitting around in a courthouse. I was waiting for my guy who's got a weed charge. He was getting like some weed sent to him from California. He was an idiot because he wasn't slick about it at all. Oh, no. And uh, he got caught by the police. And so we went to his court hearing. But before his court hearing, we were just like, yo, let's just pop into some of these other courtrooms and just see what's going on in there. And I saw some real shit. I was at the city courthouse. Like, I didn't think I was going to see anything real, just like traffic violations and stuff like that. There was some real shit. There was a girl that was probably like 15. I think she was 16, 17 years old at the time. And she was on the way back from some huge party that her whole family was a part of. Her whole family was fucking trash. Her aunt, uncles, mom, dad, everybody in the car was fucking trash. So they're like, here, you have the keys. You drive us home because we're all fucking trash. Right. That's very cool. Like, that was responsible of them. You take the keys. You drive us home. Well, then there was a drunk driver on the road. She ended up having a swerve because they were playing fucking chicken with her, apparently. She went off. Her aunt died. Okay. She was in court for manslaughter. Oh, my God. The judge was like, go home. I'm so sorry that you even had to be here today. Mm -hmm. What you're dealing with is, first of all, you shouldn't have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if there were to be a punishment, I think think we're done here. When I look at people and they go through these things that may be triggering for other people, they say these things, they're already dealing with with more than enough like they're they're already going through it it's because i know the difference i have the awareness that you speak of to know the difference of what it's like to be at peace and what it's like to just live with chaos just running amok inside you Mm -hmm. and that is indicative of that that is you going and making other people feel bad or just saying inconsiderate impolite hurtful things like that is it's that cliche, hurt people, hurt people, but right. but it's so, so true. It's interesting, though, to me, because you took triggered in a different way than I intended it, actually. Okay. So this, it go, and this all is going to go into the friendship thing here in a second. Um, my relate, because I remember when I replied to the podcast that you were talking about, mm. the episode you were talking about, my relationship with friends has been truly almost, like, awful. Right. Mm-hmm. And and just throughout my whole life. Um, but it's interesting to me because when I think of triggered, right, I'm thinking of something that has happened to me. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I thought I moved past. But then someone says to me, not targeted, not to me, not aggressively, not pointing a finger, but something that reminds me of that time. And it creates that emotional buildup inside. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of unexplainable in that moment until you take that step back and you go, oh, my God, it's like I was in that moment where I was hurt again or Mm -hmm. I was scared or whatever the emotion tied to that memory is. So then where I was going to go with the friendship thing is my question is, or it's not really a question, but like, you know, the in general question. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you interact with someone and how do you have a relationship with someone? And recognize that they're their own person with their own triggers, their own set of baggage, their own set of life experiences. And you are too. And then try to have dialogue and 
build an actual relationship mm. when you don't have that self-awareness we're talking about. Mm. So in, in, in a case like me, I, I try to have as much self-awareness as possible. Like I said, I know myself better than anybody else knows me. I know my triggers very well mm. and I am not past all of them. Right. However, would I ever tell someone that they made me feel somewhere? No, God, no, because I'm aware that it's, it's me who is feeling like I'm back to that place where I was hurt or, or offended or whatever it is. Cause obviously, uh, you get offended or you, yeah, you get offended. You don't take offense. Mm. You, and, mm. and just like someone can't mm. actually go out of their way to give you offense, you took it, right? Mm. So I'm fully aware of those things. But then in, in relationships and friendships that I've had, it seems like it's one-sided. Let's use that. Mm -hmm. That I'm I'm the one who needs to recognize where they are. Mm -hmm. And then, well, when does that get given back, mm -hmm. right? And 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 you said something earlier that was uh, really interesting to me. It, when you're, what did you? I'm doing this because it's what you were doing when you were talking about it. Is your energy and what you're getting in is going out, yeah. and it's cycling, and it gives you energy, right? Yeah. And it and it's it's fulfilling for you. And that struck me because I was like, there's been so many times in my life where I I've been the giver, and I and I want to be the giver because I when I'm friends with someone I want to be there and show up and then at what point do you go okay well I'm not I'm not really getting fulfilled back not that I don't love them not that I don't want to hang out with them not that I hate them but that I'm not I'm not getting that energy back mm. but then also on the flip side recognizing that okay relationships don't always have to be give and take mm. Sometimes, and, I, and I've experienced it before, and I would really hope that a friend wouldn't give up on me when I was at a point in my life where I was given nothing. Mm -hmm. And I have people in my life that didn't give up on me when I was giving them piss all, mm -hmm. right? But then th that question in my head is, when do you decide or when do you come to terms with, maybe this is just over, mm -hmm. right? And it's interesting to me because I don't think you ever – fully come to terms with that and that's why i ask you about your like a, a trigger for you because it's very, really interesting to hear you talk again i haven't talked to you in so long mm -hmm. right it's interesting to hear you talk because you do sound like the glass is full in the way you experience and i actually agree with your your point of view on life and experiences and love and relationships mm -hmm. But it's also really interesting to have someone like you sit and talk to someone like me, mm. who I can agree with you wholeheartedly, but I I, I have triggers, mm -hmm. right? And so to hear someone who doesn't have triggers, then I question like when you go into your relationships, because by the sound of it, you have many people you talk to and that you would consider friends. Mm -hmm. I have very few people mm -hmm. in my life that I would consider friends. Mm. Like I have acquaintances, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're people I talk to. I have people that I've actually gone into really deep and beautiful conversations with, but it's gone no further. Mm. And then the question comes the other direction. When do you decide you've when do you decide you've built a relationship with someone? Same thing with when do you decide that this relationship is kind of dying out? Mm. And all of that just comes back down to I, I think in a former fashion for me is communication. You you if you and I were to start hanging out. Well, I think there would be a mutual understanding that, oh, well, we clearly enjoy each other's company, right? But not necessarily. 
Mm. You know how many times I've been in a friendship that I'm pretty sure I was just convenient? Mm. Well, that doesn't feel so good. Mm. But then on top of that, I never addressed that. I wasn't like, hey, you're making me feel like I'm I'm being used. So I didn't address it either. So mm. maybe that's my fault. Granted, I was like 12 at the time. So really, I'm not <laughs> okay, like, yeah, that's a it's a little different, right? <laughs> but like, I, I mean, truly, since those points in times, like I haven't built that kind of relationship with another individual that I was like, oh my God, we're at that point where we have that understanding and we want to be around each other. Mm. I've been in a lot of friendships where I felt like we, not necessarily we, needed like I was needed mm. for their growth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that doesn't feel good. So it's just, it's, it's all this jumbled up idea of truthfully, I think being in a friendship with someone and this triggers is how this came back to you. So let me get to the point. Katie, geez. Um, I'm when it this. comes to triggers, you have to know them. Mm. Like, if you were talking to me and you accidentally, accidentally, no, you, you did not accidentally, you just said something, right? Mm. It wasn't you at all. And I'm over there getting in my own head because I'm going, oh crap, I'm there again, mm. right? That's not your fault. Mm. But if you didn't know that, that could hinder our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I knew, no, I wish I potentially knew how to bring up those things in mm. past friendships and mm. would it have been different because those are some of the things that I have triggers towards to this day. Mm. And it's probably why I don't tend to open up as much, though I'll answer any question if somebody asks me. The problem is I need it asked, mm. right? So when I when I ask you about triggers, I also think it's interesting, like I said, that you you took it immediately to like taking offense. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it could be unrelated to anything mean that anybody's ever said. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, to now rephrase the question, is there anything like that that you've experienced that sometimes rings in your head that has ever hindered relationships for you? And then both questions that I already asked, like, actually, let me ask them directly to you. What does it look like? when you've decided to be friends and what does it look like when that friendship fizzles? Uh, so, so for me, right, because this is, this is how I am. I feel like I have a, a pretty healthy detachment from things. <laughs> One, I, I, I try my best to live in such a way where again, the, 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 it's fruit bearing, right. For people, it's nutritious. And, and I think people, People feel nutrition when they have it, and when they don't, they feel malnutrition, and it's uh, it's it's not it's not a good feeling, and unless it is, unless unless you're maybe a masochist, and this <laughs> is just and you just like pain, you 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 like people do some people are into that. It's like you know what, like I just want my life to be shitty, like I just there's something about just a storm at every port that I'm about, right, uh -huh. and so. There have been people that I that I've walked away from. I mean, I just I mean, just recently, I think I just sent someone a text message that said, you know, something like, you know, take care. I love you. I wish the best for you. Because in the end, at the end of the day, I do for everyone. Mm -hmm. And and that's an amicable parting of the ways in a sense. When when you feel like one, I feel like 
the energy you're talking about that people are nourishing from it is it, this is a surplus mm-hmm. right so it, it's it's beaming out it's not right. like it's like i'm not like giving like i'm not digging into the reserves to give away to people like that that yeah. you just probably shouldn't be doing like that's when you need to come back to yourself and figure it out and recharge when people say that they've had a baby and that the baby changed their life Right. And that there was like a new capacity for love that they didn't know that they had Mm -hmm. breached. Like I I'm pretty visual of a person. I'm pretty creative and imaginative. And like I can I can look at my hands and I can I can visualize like the weight of a baby. I can I can visualize the baby's head. I have pretty large hands. Like in the palm of my hand and this baby in my arms. And I can think of the undying love and responsibility that would be for the child. Right. But I don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. I've through various uh, avenues, some of them drug related, some of them not have been able to break down the ego to a point where I realize that I just love people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's just what it is. Like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to, to do anything aside from that. I don't have the time for the hate. I don't have time for the, the fighting and the bickering and the, that shit is so far in the past, it, it it doesn't even... So if that's something that is bubbling up on my radar from whomever is mm-hmm. in my life, that's just, that's just gotta... And again, amicably, but you, you're just gonna fizzle out. Like, you're just, you're just gonna go. Mm-hmm. So I, I only, I only take nutrition back. It can, it can happen in a, in a, in a challenging way, like ch- challenging someone is that's that's awesome. That's how right. we grow, because again, you challenging me or me challenging you that that, that has nothing to do with us making crit like stark criticisms on one another's character, mm-hmm. right? And even if it was, we could be getting that wrong, right? So so. Someone saying something to you or you saying something to me and me taking offense to that or me even just being triggered by a word that you use that, again, doesn't have anything to do with them trying to be offensive to Mm -hmm. you. It's just something that you dealt with that is detached because who I am and what I'm doing is nothing but an experience. Mm -hmm. It's nothing but me experiencing it. And unless I would like to. Again, this is from a a place of privilege with the awareness here. Unless I would like to attach myself to that thing, then there are really no issues here, right? It's not until it gets like physical harm where now there's something that needs to be done. Aside from that, I'm what someone is saying is just it's just an amalgam of of data points in their mind and them trying to fumble these these symbols, these ideas, these these letters that put together 
in in sequence that make words that put together in sequence make sentences and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. and most people are bad at it so people just trying to express things to other people most of the time it's going to be bad Mm -hmm. a lot of the times it's going to be inconsiderate it's going to be compulsive a lot of the times they're going to just be wrong on a million different accounts Mm -hmm. people have so much going on in their mind i can't expect for most things that people to say to be coherent let alone correct. Right. Right. So or authentic or authentic. It could just easily just be some regurgitated mess that they got from whomever. It could be Twitter. It could be their parents. It could be their shitty friends that are putting some shit on them. Right. It's the cycle. So the the point is, if you get into this realization and this understanding, then it's you're you're looking at people and you're just trying to you're just trying to listen, Mm -hmm. but you're listening, hopefully, with some semblance of emotional regulation, you're looking at them. Yeah. You're you're if you get keen enough at listening, you start to realize like where people are coming from, like if they're trying to hurt you, and then you're like, oh, you're mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. You know, or or if they don't really know what they're talking about because the things that they're saying are like incoherent or they're just like huge plot holes <laughs> in the things that they're saying, yeah. you're just like, okay, you're actually just full of shit. You're yeah. just you're just filling spaces again. Yeah. There's like all these different variations of bullshit that arise when someone's trying to express something to you. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as making friends goes and what that looks like, again, you're here right now, mm-hmm. right? No one else is here in my world. Like, it's just you. There's no mom, there's no dad, no sister, no brother, no none of my friends. It's just you and I. And as long as I get the the sense that you're being honest with me in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And we can and we can share experiences and information honestly, right? And try to do it as coherently as possible. And it seems like we're both trying to work towards something that looks like understanding. You're a friend of mine. Right right now. Right now. Why? Because right now is all that I have. I don't I don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. You are a friend of mine right now. I don't need to know your whole backstory. What? Right. Some people know every single detail about someone and they're a shitty friend Mm -hmm. or they're a backstabber. So so now you're just asking, what is a friend? Is it is it the amount of time that is spent there? Like what has to be the thing I have? I have very. What seem like simple, but could be to unaware people, extremely difficult guidelines. I I really, really enjoy honesty. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of people being honest because I don't I, I don't have time for too much of the of the contrary. Like it, it doesn't it, it doesn't render mm-hmm. well inside of me mm-hmm. because we're just we're just playing it. We're just playing in a play. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're playing a role and I'm playing a role. I, like I'm not fitting to do that. I don't have time to put a mask on and, and play the games. It's not what I'm doing. I could die. Mm-hmm. So I don't have time for that. Right. So honesty is huge. Past that. Pleasantness is nice, <laughs> meaning meaning yeah. meaning you just try your best to just be a, a considerate person. Nice people are awesome. It's super, super underrated. As much as people say, like, you know, nice people are cool. It's super underrated. Just being just a considerate, just taking other people's space and time 
and they're being into consideration mm -hmm. with the way that you're going to dance with them. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation earlier today in my in my Any Last Words pod chat, and we were talking about the the phrase code switching. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times it's the way that, that black people feel like they have to act at their jobs around white people right. in order to be accepted. But people go through variations of this depending upon where they go and where you feel like you need to go. Mm -hmm. I am just a, a being here, right? I don't belong to any one faction. Therefore, instead of having a code and then having to switch over to another code that makes me feel lesser than or some abstract, weird outwardly version of myself that I don't take pride in, it's just simply a sifting of the code. Mm -hmm. It's just, okay, this is the person that I'm sitting in front of right now. Th I am communicating with them. Mm -hmm. They're a different person that has had a completely different life experience than the last person I was mm -hmm. talking to. And it would be considerate of me to take that into the way that I am now going to engage with them. Mm -hmm. That is simply called high aptitude in interpersonal com communication. Right. That's that's really what that is. So it's actually a really good point because hmm. um, within even the questions I was asking, I, I had a thought of something else I wanted to add. And you just reminded me of that, which is projection. Okay. So even like with with code switching, it could kind of actually apply, but um, going back to friendship for a second, if if two people shoot, if I'm sitting in front of you and I'm thinking about all the relationships I've ever had, friendships, right? Um, and I'm sitting here subconsciously projecting every experience I've ever had onto what you could be thinking or doing or, or, or behaving mm. and all that. I'm not actually uh, even I'm just wholeheartedly agreeing to what you were just saying about being present with the individual. Mm. I, I, I actually think probably worse than anything you could ever do is to project that somebody is behaving a way that you think that they might because of your own personal x y and z mm -hmm. and not coming to terms with like the truth of the matter is you're absolutely correct being with that individual in that specific moment and kind of the rest doesn't matter mm -hmm. it doesn't i mean that's a lesson i'm, I'm still trying to learn but it, it doesn't whatever you, friendships you've had or however deep that relationship goes or how meaningful or how long long lasting it'll be doesn't matter and whatever you've experienced doesn't matter to put on to you. Mm -hmm. And I think I might have just realized that now in this conversation of that how powerful projection is to then what I think you think about me. Even. Yes. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That the something about what you just said made me kind of realize that. And I think it's probably one of the reasons why within truthfully just humor human interaction it doesn't inherently come intuitively to me mm. like i i'm really great at being 
present and, and, and speaking directly to you, but I fearful that you'll project to me. Mm. There's an apprehension, mm -hmm. which is still projection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's just me cycling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's exactly what it is. You can watch movies and and uh, whatever's going on on the screen, if, if someone says something that's embarrassing on the screen, you don't now get embarrassed if you do not make an embarrassed face empathizing with the character on the screen. <laughs> Because you know that the character on the screen can't fucking see you because right. this is a recording. Well, a lot of people in conversations with people, they are trying their best to mirror or give you the feeling that they think that you're going for. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just it's a human thing. We want to show empathy when people are speaking. Yeah. So if you say something funny, like I want to laugh now. Now, if it's funny, I'm just going to laugh. But if you say something that's cringe and. I don't actually feel cringe about it, but I'm just going to act like I am. Right. These are things. These are little yeah. mimics that I'm trying to do to make you trust me or feel comfortable with me. This is something that this is a game that I, I wouldn't play because it, it gets weird. I think that these projections, they, they do have to go out of the window. What I think is a better a better alternative. And this goes along with being present. Mindfulness is just like you would watch the TV. If the TV makes you laugh, then you laugh. If it doesn't, then don't laugh. If if it makes you if it makes you feel sad or you're looking at the screen in dismay because whatever the fucking hero of the story just mm -hmm. got thrown down in a cellar somewhere and they're about to beat the shit out of him, then that's how you feel. Whatever the case is, you just need to be there because I think that the natural projection, right, on your face, the natural expressions on your face and on your body, those Again, people are not stupid. We we sense that on a yeah. real level. We can see when it's kind of being faked. And you can definitely see when it's being faked when you start talking to someone that's real about it. Because then you're like, oh, wow. Like, this, this person doesn't really react like everyone else. Why is that the case? It could be the case. Idea. Because they're just listening. Mm -hmm. Right? They're not taking into account who... They think that you think that they are and how you think that they think you ought to act mm -hmm. when they say things. You're just you're just listening to the data. But again, this is you not putting what they're saying on them, because when you say things to me, I'm not attaching those words to you like right. this is now Katie. It's not true. It's just an idea that you expressed with the language that you know. Mm -hmm. It's not you. So I shouldn't have to. So I'm not going to feel these things in conjunction with these words that are now pasted on you. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not looking at you that way. I'm not looking at you through your words necessarily. Right? right? Like it's 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 a it's a large large mixture combination of things that you're giving me it's the words you're using throughout the you know the entire scope of time that we're going to be sharing together with all of your body language and all of the feeling that is going to now be espoused as well so it's 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 an amalgam and it's an extremely intricate one but i think 
that's how intelligent we are. It's so intricate, but we still read it on such a quick level. Mm-hmm. And so and so that's what's that's what's going on there. There's no there's there's no projection as, as far as who I think you are and how I right. think you ought to act and how I think I ought to act in correlation with that. I'm I'm simply responding on a moment to moment basis with the being that's in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's like that's that's it that's going on. It's funny because you'll we'll like listen to this episode back and it just goes like up and down and around and around. Like you will forget about a lot of the things mm-hmm. that were spoken about because we're here mm-hmm. in the moment. Having them in every moment requires our attention in order to be able to serve that moment justice as well as go on to the next moment and serve that moment justice. So it's it's extremely intricate and beautiful work, but I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, I'm glad that you brought that thing up about about the friends and asking me how, how it does look because it, it does have to happen. And sometimes I think that it's, I think that it's a beautiful thing because if you, if you come back around to someone, then you guys come back around after maybe it fizzled out. Like maybe it doesn't, it, you don't have to call it quits forever because you, I mean, depending upon what happened, I mean, maybe if they tried to kill you, you don't need to see them again because yeah. they, they, they might, they might succeed the next time. Oh God. But, but aside anything less than that, yeah. for the most part, it's life and it's, it's malleable and things are moving and reshifting and shaping all the time. And I think you have to, you have to grant people that there've been so many people that I've met and the first time I did not, I did not take to them. And I realized that it, I had to be reshaped that I did some more work on myself. And I realized, Oh, I was being kind of just overly emotional in this moment. Like they weren't really that bad. If I had had that same situation or set of circumstances play out now with them, I would have taken it completely differently. Mm -hmm. Like I would have just relaxed. I would have took a breath. I would have tried to understand exactly where they're coming from, why they use what words they use, why they tensed up. I would have even, I would have actually probably known why they were even taking the stance that they were. Right. And and it would have been fine. I read this this book called How to Have Impossible Conversations, and it's an awesome <laughs> book. And when you get away from trying to make people who you want them to be, and trying to trying to win people over, trying to win conversations first and foremost, like that's that's a that's a huge that, that's a yeah. huge loss from the jump. Oh yeah. You trying to have dialogue with people because you brought up having dialogue with people like these these friends of yours throughout time and it just going awry trying to make other people see things the way you do that 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 isn't the function mm-hmm. of conversation right if if people if it, if it's had correctly then i believe that the cream rises to the top usually if it's done correctly i i've had to think a whole lot about why people stop learning certain things, meaning what closes people off from listening to the next thing you have to say. Mm-hmm. Like when you're speaking, what about you speaking makes me no longer want to intake that information? And I've, I've thought a whole lot about this. And this was one of the books that I read that gave me some insight into it. And 
the ego is just it's just a fucking dastardly thing i mean mm-hmm. it because I, I truly feel like your ego has to be subordinate to the cause. Now, if the cause you say out of your mouth is you want to understand or you want to learn something, mm-hmm. if you come out of your mouth and ever say anyone that listens to this episode, mm-hmm. if you ever come out of your mouth and say, I want to understand or I want to learn, I have no problem having conversations with people that disagree with me. I want to learn. I want to understand. If you truly say that, then your ego has to take a back seat mm-hmm. because if it's in a front seat, it's driving oh, yeah. and it wants to win. It wants to get there first. It wants to prove someone else wrong. It wants to find confirmation bias so that you can puff your chest up and peacock your feathers <laughs> and tell yourself that you're a winner. Yeah. You want to take the trophy home. But if you can sit your ego and sit that fucker down for long enough, you realize that the world opens up to you. Because then you realize that you're not any of these ideas that you're about to say either. They're just ideas. They're not yours. You don't own them. You could drop them today if you wanted to, if you weren't so hell-bent on wanting to be right or sticking to your guns, right? I think it's definitely an underrated trait to be able to just be like, oh, no, you were right. I'm done with that. Just, that that yeah. thing I was thinking, that's I'm done. Yeah. What you said was better. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that now. I love that. Trait. And I'm gonna think yeah. about that a little bit more, and maybe I'll find some chinks in that armor later on, or somebody else will enlighten me a bit more. Yep. Because we're constantly changing. There's no way. Well, Ho- hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. No, but it is. It's actually really interesting uh, <laughs> because thinking about. You and I specifically. Yes, let's do that. In this entire conversation, one thing struck me. Mm-hmm. We actually are very similar. The difference is you are the cup full. Mm-hmm. And I am the, oh, I can empty out whenever I want. I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I'm the, I'm the, when you even talk about, like, when you were describing friendships of, you know, you can come back later and it'd be totally cool. Like, I don't hold that. Totally agree. But mine is, I don't care if I ever see you again, and that'd be dope. Mm-hmm. But like, not in like a, oh, I don't want to see them, and I hate them. It's a, we don't need. It's I'm closure happened. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel the need to come back to something. Mm-hmm. Or, and and not even that I don't feel the need because if it happened, I guess I'd be cool with it. Mm-hmm. But I would never be the one who would initiate. Try. Never. Mm. And it has nothing. It's and it's not with angst mm-hmm. and it's not with haste. But and, and it's interesting because a couple other things you've said, I've been like, yeah, totally. I would word it so differently and so much more on almost the opposite mm. spectrum of mm. the same point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I don't know even how to explain that any further than it's it's wild to listen to you and have my own understanding. And that's kind of even the part about, you know, communication with friends and how that dynamic is always so interesting. And when you decide, when you decide quotations around that, that you are friends and that you have made a connection. Um, and by that, I mean, one, you want to continuously pursue because mm. we could still leave this podcast and not talk for another eight years mm-hmm. to me. 
we're not friends. Mm-hmm. Do I hate you? Heck no. Mm-hmm. Had a great time, mm-hmm. right? So it's this interesting where you're like, oh, we are. Where mm-hmm. I would be like, well, no, but like you're dope. And right. like I would happily do this again in eight years again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting difference. And I will say what is interesting about, again, specifically you and I and the way we met and to how the, the gapping and then a phone call and then being here present physically again. I have no idea what that relationship is. Yeah. No idea what that means. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, well, no, we're not friends. But that's because of a, an idea behind what I perceived as friendship, mm-hmm. right? But like in my head, I'm also, we're talking like we're friends. We're hanging out with like our friends. So in a weird way, I actually agree with the point of view of well, why aren't we then? So it's kind of interesting just how, yeah. how different we are mm-hmm. with technically the exact same end goal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Some Magneto Professor Xavier type <laughs> stuff going on right here. Uh, yeah, it's actually funny. I can speak to another point on that when you were talking. So I had a friend recently tell me that, you know, they, they were having trouble making friends and they said that they didn't have access to people like maybe <laughs> I did. And I thought, okay, this is one of those things because I, I do this very well, uh, especially, you know, with close ones. If they're really willing to have these sorts of conversations, I like to break mental shackles. Mm-hmm. And I say, you just told me that you don't have access to people like I do. Okay. There, there, there could be a truth and a fallacy in that. The fallacy would be clearly to me when people say that, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You live on planet fucking Earth. If, yeah. like, in most people I know, there are tons of people around everywhere. What you're meaning to say is something very akin to what you were saying, which is you're not going out of your way, not only for the people that you had a relationship that fizzled out, you're not coming back around, but even just to new people. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything to you to just walk up and try to start something right. with someone. You're completely fine doing the opposite of mm-hmm. that. Which is just seeing everyone in the world and going home and being with your chocolate lab. To my daughter. Bella. Now, (laughs) it's so funny that you're saying what you're saying about us. Because I could, I I don't, I could also just go home and be in my golden solitude. But but it's so easy for me to speak to people. Mm Mm-hmm. That it also doesn't it it doesn't matter so much that I end up sometimes just speaking to people, right? Because how much it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, sure, why not? Like interesting, why not? So mm-hmm. and 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 I and again, I've I've been dancing for a while now. So when I speak to people, and as soon as I see them, what's happening is a rush of data that I'm getting from them. I'm, I'm I'm looking at everything that they're wearing, their smile, if they're smiling, the the very first few words that start to come out, it already starts to render in my brain, mm-hmm. right? As like a code of who they are and how they're how they are presenting themselves to me. It may not be exactly who they are, but mm-hmm. how they are choosing to present themselves to me, and that gives me at a moment's notice the response code. Mm-hmm. To now respond back to them right. appropriately. And I just happen to have been dancing long enough to know the one-two step. Yeah. So as soon as you start talking, as soon as I engage with someone, we're off to the races. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're talking. 
And that sort of engagement, like the yoga, like the, the, the diet, like the exercise, like the meditation, like the sleep, like this podcast is now just another thread in that spherical life force of mine, mm-hmm. right? That just, that just beams outwardly and fulfills me and nurtures me, which again, nurtures those around me. Mm-hmm. So it's just another one of those bits. It, it just, it just ends up working that way. Now it's not because I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel compelled to just run up and talk to people. <laughs> it's completely, it's completely fine for me to go home. And most times I just go home, but, but on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes, yeah, I just, if a, if a word is uttered or, or there's a glance or something like that, it's, it's nothing at all for me to sit there and completely engage in whatever encounter is about to unfurl. So it's funny. It's funny that you say that. It's, it's funny that you say that because again, it's just, it seems to be the same thing because you could also do that. You're just not going to be the person to engage when it comes to these people that maybe I fizzled out with, I understand that sometimes in their mind, maybe they did wrong. Right. And I know that they feel the feeling of doing wrong and no longer having this person in their life that they're not upset. Most people, they're not upset with me. Mm -hmm. They're just like, damn, I kind of fucked that up. Like there's probably not space in his life for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anyone thinking that there's animosity from my end. So that sometimes will be the reason why I will reach out. It's not because, hey, let's come back and try to do things. It's I have an inkling Uh that you feel bad about what happened and that you may think that I see lesser of you. Well, let me reach out, send you a bunch of heart emojis and tell you that I don't. Yeah. It's it's so funny you say that because I've I've actively done that with the people that I... (sighs) With the people that I said I didn't want to reconnect with, mm-hmm. I have sent them messages being just like, still here. Mm-hmm. But I'm that person. Yeah. And that could be a crutch of mine mm-hmm. that like, maybe the reason why I don't reach out is because in my head, I'm like, we've gotten to a point that clearly I hate to sound accusatory. You don't need me. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of happy about that. Mm-hmm. So I guess I want to make sure that when they know at the end of the day, just like what you said, we fizzled out. We're good. Still got love for you. No hate. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, well, let's also not play that game where we go, hey, we should meet up sometime. Mm-hmm. Hey, we, we, should, we should meet up sometime. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And I would rather us both exist in a world where we know our friendship was beautiful mm-hmm. and that it's done. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have done that before, but I've made it, like, the way I've said it is almost exactly what you said. Like, heart emojis. We're good. Yes. Like, yeah. nothing nothing that's reaching out, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's so funny you say that because, I don't know. I think it's. No, I feel that. I I just, you know, time time just keeps moving, and there's so many moments like today, with you and the other friend that texted me, where I I would have just 
I feel gratitude when certain people reach out. It's not in certain people like these people are like specific. It's just when people reach out because I just know that I, I just, there's too, there's a lot of shittiness in the world. <laughs> like there's just, there's just a lot of it. And it does bring me some sort of solace to know that, that I'm not contributing to a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know? Like it, it it really does. I, I, my friend Mike and I, you know, we were talking about like who we aspire to be, like who our heroes are, and that they're just the future us. Mm-hmm. Like if if we thought about who the future us, like if we had a conversation with him, and what he would be telling us, like what he would be saying to us, and I've I've a, a pretty decent idea of some of it. Which is pay attention right now. Mm-hmm. Like my life, it it relies on you paying attention right now. But not right now, just like right now, right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, all the time. Like I need that. Mm-hmm. In order for me to survive and for me to be the best version I can be in the future, I need to do it right now, every time. It's this beautiful, beautiful conceptualization of how success works for people. And it's that people are constantly maybe looking in the past and they're not looking in the past with, with hopes of finding gems and answers for the present. They're just looking in the past like, Oh man, like that really fucking sucked. I really shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that thing to that person that one time. Like, why did I do that? That was so stupid of me. I put my foot in my mouth, whatever the case is, or they're looking in the future and like, I want this and I want that. And there's still a presentness, a nowness to looking in the future in a realistic way, in, in a way where you're looking to aspire to, to have something, there needs to be a nowness about it. That means you don't just get lost fantasizing yeah. about the future. It means are you putting something in action mm-hmm. to make this thing that you're thinking about come true, right? And even if that's the case, the best thing that I could possibly do for that future in any given moment is happening right now. That's the that's the only thing I can do. The best thing I can do is make sure that whatever I'm doing at every moment of the day is the best way I can do it. Now, you don't have to adhere to that. That's up to you. The way I choose to live is I try to do every single thing with as much heart and as much intention as I possibly can. Because at that point, everything that you're touching is done with deliberateness Mm -hmm. definitiveness every single time you touch you say something you're with a friend you're talking to them the energy and the attention that you're giving them at your job you're putting the work into your job whether the the job is what fulfills you or not you should be you should be so attentive about everything that you're doing and that thing can now come to life to you And that thing can matter in that moment. And then the next thing can matter in that moment. And the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And before you know it, you're no longer just looking at your job as just like this thing that you go do. It's all these small little moments, all these small little tweaks that you're making, but you're making them 
with with zeal mm-hmm. in in circumspection that that really matters to you right it's brick by brick step by step that's how you get places that's mm-hmm. how you build things and i think that once you touch everything like that things start to turn to gold people start to see you differently and people start to see you differently doors start to open that would have been closed to you forever and again options that would have never occurred to you before slowly start to occur to you because that's what happens when you care for things when you care for things if you've ever cared for a child a pet a plant you have to care for them you have to give care and tenderness and and attention for things to grow in a way that you would like for them to grow in a healthy way if not you neglect them you see what happens to those three things i just named <laughs> it's not a pretty sight right so the more things that you put your attention and your care to you're going to just start to see all boats rise on mm-hmm. the same tide like everything in your life starts to get better and you know i've said it before i if if you would have tried to explain to me what my life would be like right now years ago i wouldn't have I don't not only would I not have believed you but I don't even think that I would have been able to understand what you even talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even think that it would have been a thing because it seems like magic. Like unlocking your mind and and, be, and becoming becoming a master of your own mind and then having a surplus of energy and love that that is bountiful to the point where it is just now like a fountain in in and just from you being you mm-hmm. you don't have to go out of your way people around you reap benefit from it mm-hmm. it's i mean that is that is prosperity that is prosperity and if you do that for long enough and you find ways like the video game long enough to sustain something like that then i think it only gets better and better and then it further reinforces what it is you're doing mm-hmm. it proves to you throughout time that this is worth your time and so you give more time and you pour more energy into that thing and then it's snowballing out of control and before you know it your life has gotten better in a way that you didn't that it, it's a dream you didn't think it was possible it doesn't even sometimes it doesn't even make sense because you're fulfilled in your dreams when you're sleeping <laughs> and then you wake up and it you wake up and you're there and you're and you're ready mm-hmm. and then every step of your day is like that it's like you're fucking just stepping around and there's just grass and flowers growing on the pathway that you walk it's it's it it, it can be like that that is an option it's available like it's it's well within the list of the the database of human experience it is available it does it seem like it's a fucking fantastical disney tale mm-hmm. 1000% as i say this it sounds ridiculous <laughs> of course does everyone have the awareness at this moment to make that happen fuck no are most people going to do this fuck no but it's well within the database of possible human experience mm-hmm. and it's something that you can aspire to be it's something that can inspire you i think that's why they say to 
to to reach for the stars so you land on a cloud. Right. That you will always fall short of the grace of God if that is your thing, but that if you're not aiming high enough, right? We need to get you some. Yeah, you. We need. We need to. Yeah. Literally just growled so loud. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You hear that? Thing was like. (laughs) It was literally my stomach growling. Got a mountain lion. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on here and just listening to me rant about stuff and and, and, you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. No, this was this was absolutely fantastic. Um. What 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 is uh I should just ask you something light I feel like for just a second, um, are you doing anything artistically? Are you um, doing anything creatively? Well, my job in and of itself is creative. I'm not gonna lie. So yes, it is. There's that this thing that you don't give a shit about. So well, <laughs> it's the job that I not necessarily the work. Oh, job. Okay. Okay. Delineate, please. Okay. I had this weird thing around, this is going to go deep, so we don't need to stay on this long. Understood. To me, I have no care in purpose or worth or uh, fulfillment via work. Okay. Because in my head, um, how much I get paid is like the least interesting thing about me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The job in and of itself, I get to create delicious treats that are gluten-free and vegan. So it's Mm. very inclusive for those who don't get a lot of dessert options, right? Um, And they're pretty, right? Okay. So I I enjoy... (laughs) You even say that with the most lackluster tone. And they're pretty, right? (laughs) Listen, the reason why is because I'm... It's still ultimately like it's not my thing. You know what I mean? So in in general, my job does offer a creative aspect. Mm -hmm. And I do get to... I get my own kind of freedom within it yeah yeah yeah. um the other thing that i've picked up that i don't like to tell people i'm closing my eyes and like embarrassment because it's my own thing is i started painting okay and the reason i say this because i am i I, growing up it's like the least artistic person ever i can't draw Mm -hmm. i can't I, I, my handwriting is just horrendous. It still mm. looks like a two-year-old's trying to, like, draw an A, and it's just okay. terrible. Like, there's, you know, like, in the traditional, like, being good at something way, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But it started to be so fun to mess around with, like, colors and stuff that it did just become, like, childish and, and yeah, playful. Yeah. So that's what I started doing that's more on the creative edge. As creative as imaginative. Yeah. You have a good time yeah. doing whatever yeah. the fuck it is you're doing in yeah. there. Yeah, and it's for you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, listen, That's why, man. That's why yeah. I don't tell people because then people are like, oh, I want to see Let it. me then, see your stuff. Oh, I compared it to the person who does art in my life. And I'm like, you're the reason why I don't want to do art. <laughs> Like, those type of people drive me crazy. If you're listening and you're that type of person, don't be that way. (laughs) Oh, man. No, man. Everybody should have something. Everybody should have something. Because I think that people... I think that people get booted out of their creativity. But I think that people... there There is creativity amongst people. We are creators. That's what we are. We come in in the very first... I mean, we start to create thoughts. And then we start to create ideas with our thoughts and we start to put words together and sequence them differently. And those are creating concepts. And then maybe you express yourself in other ways and it could be through dance or it could be through painting or playing the violin or whatever it is. Or you, you maybe you're a playwright or maybe you just speak on a podcast 
or whatever it is that you do, but inherently so you are a creator just from the just from being a human at its bare minimum. You have to create in order to continue to live life. Like and I don't mean procreate. I mean just just you you have to create thoughts and you have to create expression with those thoughts in order to advance in life. You can't just you can't just just sit in your room in, in the dark and just not think ever about anything and think you're just going to continue to live. Things have to be created in order for that to be the case. People just, you know, again, they only look at art like artistry and and you know, creative integrity if you're fucking a ballet dancer or you're mm-hmm. one of these people that's Picasso or, yeah. but but if you're if you're not there's still there's still ways of looking at it. I think that <laughs> That would be interesting because I guess maybe you'd have to be as you as you keep putting on me kind of aware and creative to even see the creativity that one may have. I, yeah. I think I think that's actually why because um, you're absolutely correct. And I and I should specify my creativeness typically comes from physical things like I've danced. I've taken what yes. seven, seven different types of dance classes yeah. in my life. That's I remember that. typically where my my comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like yeah. when it came to painting, because there's so much comparison that exists, like you can just kind of move and people are like, yeah, feel it, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to painting, there's an immediate like, oh, but my daughter went to art school and is like making money off of it. So like, oh, that's nice, honey. Mm. And it's like, well, why is that? I But I'm also the same person who doesn't really understand how art can be graded. Like in school, I don't get that. Man, yeah. So the only thing in art that it, I think that's only when there are certain techniques trying to be taught. And it's like, yes, I need yes. to see this technique used. But if it's just this next to this next to this, that's that's when things get kind of weird. I mean, if you get into art, you see all sorts of shit sold. Yeah. For all sorts of millions exactly. of dollars. And it'll just be a blue streak across a white canvas. That's what I've been coming to terms with. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. you just gotta realize that like it that's art. Yeah. It's it's all just interpretive. We we just mm-hmm. all who does it make an impression upon and how much money does that person have? Yeah. So that's that's entering into that world of like it's not a physical thing necessarily right mm. uh so it's a it's, that's why i'm like oh i'm covering my eyes like yeah, no, you know what i mean totally, you know you're totally you're totally fine I, I try to do painting and i was doing drawing and photography and i played guitar for a while it, you know film yeah like i just i was always trying to express myself in some way shape form fashion i just knew that it wasn't going to be math <laughs> I just knew it wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna be yeah. expressing myself in numbers, but I knew like it was. It had to be. I was always trying to get something out. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that. Um, we've been going out for. Well, that's hilarious. So we we do this thing on here. It's called the Any Last Words Pod because at the end we like to give some last words to the people. It could be about anything. It could be about something we talked about today. It could be one word. It could be anything that your mind conjures up. With all of its creativity, I'll start. Um, oh my god! I'm the, put on this all I have to say to the people today is one: thank you, Katie, for coming on here, and for the people out there, I I, I truly, truly do wish the best. I I don't mean as I speak through these things as as swiftly and maybe as eloquently and elegantly as I may do sometimes. I don't mean to come off 
um, as though I'm just expecting people to just pick up and figure their shit out today. I, I do know that I come from a place of privilege on various accounts, and I, I wish the best for everybody on their journey trying to pick the best options that they're presented with every day. That was lovely. Thank you. Oh. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. You're welcome to come back anytime you're in town. Okay. Yeah, well, for sure. You. A thousand percent. You know. Yeah. Oh gosh, this is so foreign to me having to think about something that I'd want to say as like my finale. I mean, that thank you could be it. Yeah. And we can just leave this. Thank you so much for going on that walk yeah. with me before. That was a beautiful Absolutely. walk. Absolutely. You good? I think so. If anything, I'll, I'll say one thing, which is we all, and this is maybe just voicing this into my own existence let's, and to everybody else's. Let's take it in. Everybody has their own path and life and triggers and love and laughter mm -hmm. and all that and being able to come to a point where you're recognizing that they're different and that you see things differently than them and accepting them where they're at is a really really valuable thing that we all could utilize more and benefit all of our relationships thank you <laughs> episode 113 baby Woohoo.